pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So I'm not really sure how to spit this out. Hunt, did you get expelled? No, the school would most likely contact you in the event of my expulsion. Well, I was just asking. It seemed plausible. Will you need a large amount of money? No. Legal counsel? Not, I'm not asking for anything. Except for maybe mercy. Like it would be friggin' sweet if no one hit me. Well, what have you done, Junebug? Did you hit someone with the Previa? No. Dude, I think it's best to just tell him. I'm pregnant. Oh, God. Yeah, but I, I'm going to give it up for adoption. And I already found the perfect couple. They're going to pay for the medical expenses and everything. And in, what, 30-year-odd weeks, we can just pretend that this never happened. You're pregnant? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And if it is any consolation, I have heartburn that is radiating my kneecaps. And I haven't taken it since Wednesday. Morning. I didn't even know you were sexually active. You're thinking about adoption? Yeah, yeah. And it, there's this couple. They haven't had, you know, they've, they've been trying to have a kid for like five years. You found them in the penny saver next to the exotic birds? And they have a legitimate lawyer, and I was going to go meet with them next weekend. Junebug, that is a tough, tough thing to do. It's probably tougher than you can understand right now. No, I, I know. And I, it's just that I'm not ready to be a mom. Do you know, I'm coming with you to meet this adoption couple. You're just a kid, and I want you to get ripped off by a couple of baby-starved wingnuts. Why, hello and howdy. It is uh, Tuesday, 7 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11, and this the month of September, the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. The talker, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into satiric whimsicality. Uh, it is uh, Tuesday, and welcome to Day 12. It's 503-733-2970. want to join us today? 503 503- 733-2970. for your comments, questions, clarifications, two cents, ruminations, recipes, limericks, uh, things that rhyme with Nantucket, uh, whatever it is you might have. It's 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the absurd, or absurd, uh, as Mr. Malvert used to say. It's 503-733-2970. Want to email? By God, you can do that as well. It's Rick at... Uh, RickEmerson.com, Rick at RickEmerson.com, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. All right, well, let me just say, I'm sorry for killing Don LaFontaine. We are, we are now in a world without him. <laughs> and there you go. One less man. One less man. No. Too soon? Sorry. 
Anyway, so we did that. We killed him, and I'm sorry. And you know what can you do? I, I thought it was only when Tim was gone, but you were gone yesterday. Hey, we're gonna blame it on Tim. I was kind of here yesterday, sort of. Sarah and you I were, were both. Here. You were both here. We were both sort of here. We were doing what we, what we call live assist, Tim. Uh, we were playing some best of programs yesterday, uh, but then. Uh, Which really didn't assist much. I think we came on like three times. <laughs> I think we talked for a total of four minutes during yesterday's program. Uh, I was I'm doing, sorry, I missed it. That's okay. You really, stuff the person you really ought to apologize to is Mrs. LaFontaine, Tim. I'm sorry, Mrs. LaFontaine. <laughs> and Mrs. Reed. All right. Well, in any event, well, he's no longer hot. Matter <laughs> <laughs> of fact, he's ice cold. He's he's bound and dead. Uh. All right. All right. We gotta get we gotta get a hold of ourselves. We're only like two minutes into the show. It's 503-733-2970, so we're back, we're live. Uh, we were kind of here yesterday, uh, we did uh, some best of stuff yesterday. I was doing my twice a year clean out of the office. Where I, just, I think by the end of yesterday's program, I came, Sarah and I both came on yesterday around 10 a.m. We said hello and howdy and talked for a bit. Uh, we didn't, we didn't kind of want to get into all of her New York City uh, trip stuff, so we waited. Uh, but we had some, uh, some encore stuff yesterday. We did the uh, Ryan's Run, the Great Portland Jog Off. We had... Richie's recap of his Vegas hooker experience, and we had all that stuff, and then we sort of popped on throughout the day and sort of, you know, said howdy and hello. But, um, uh, but I, I think by the by the time I left yesterday, I think I probably threw away, took home, or otherwise moved or got rid of five boxes of stuff from my office. Doesn't look any different. It looks exactly the same. It doesn't look like I've gotten rid of a freaking thing. What uh, was in the box? You know, just like stuff, stuff that's just piled up, just. To, just random sort of detritus that sort of clogs up all the different corners of my workspace over the year. Anyway, so I threw a whole bunch of stuff yesterday. It doesn't look any different. But um, anyway, so thanks to the uh, folks who were uh, tuned in yesterday for the best stuff. All right, let's all take a breath and plunge on in. So it, it just as a, as a brief side note before we start talking about today and then before we do introductions all around, talk about the news. So I really, uh, up until like 10.59 yesterday, I really was pondering coming in and doing... Doing like a whole regular show to the best of our ability because of all the Sarah Palin stuff, but it just seemed wrong to do it without you, Tim. It, it seemed like, it seemed like an inappropriate thing to do. It seemed like you ought to be in on it. So we well, wait. thank you for waiting. Hey, you know, it's what we do. Well, was Timmy here yesterday? No, it was just Sarah and myself. Because we just planned on just doing sort of a catch-up day, uh, and then uh, it was just that whole. Jesus, I can't even think about the Sarah Palin thing too much right now because it just makes my brain. It... You're gonna have to lay it all out for Megan because we started talking about it a little bit. But then I still don't know what the hell is going on. It all started when kids were told to go see Juno. <laughs> oh, now I get why you played it. Yeah, uh, Sarah, it's all. Uh, it all starts when the kids put on their Barry White records. Well, they think it's all so funny. It happens when children hug each other in a special way, Sarah. Um, all right, so here's what's coming up today. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us from Minneapolis slash St. Paul. I don't know what that means. How That's can she be city. in? Okay, but she's not in both. No. She's in Minneapolis or St. Paul. Why does it say Minneapolis slash St. Paul? Because Minneapolis is the better city. St. Paul is kind of the rundown one. It's like east and west Berlin. Is this like they kind of go together. Is this like SeaTac? Is this like Seattle and Tacoma? Yes. You know, SeaTac is a creation of people who don't live in Seattle. When they say SeaTac, that's not a creation of any... That, that is all on the Tacoma uh, side of the equation, that phrase right there. There's nobody in Seattle wants to be linked to Tacoma. All and, kinds and of people. that's way far away from Seattle. Oh, yeah, and, it, and, it's, and it's an asshole to, to boot. So, but everybody in Tacoma kind of wishes they were linked with Seattle, which is where the, which is, that's, that's where the word SeaTac derives. Mm. 
Anyway, Lisa Desjardins is at the Republican National Convention, which has just been a fracking snooze, by the way, so far. I mean, it's just been... I tried to watch it yesterday, and it was just like having Sominex pipe directly into my spine. Uh, I did watch long enough to see Cindy McCain and Laura Bush come out together. Just some weird axis of housewife evil. Just really. Ew, that's creepy. It was like you expected the whole stage just to collapse into some sort of a white dwarf. I mean, it was like all it was like all the reptilian nastiness in the universe compressed into one small space. Uh, Dick Uliano will join us today uh, as we continue to talk about this, the ongoing campaign and everything. Governor Sarah Palin, all of that crap. Uh, we'll talk to Cena radio correspondent James Roop. He is in Nolens talking about Gustav, which I guess is. I don't mean to minimize anything that's already happened, but I guess it's... It's the, a letdown. But, the, you know, the worst is already over. Yeah. But, but isn't there already another one, like, waiting in the wings? Yes. Mm-hmm. It is hurricane season. So, uh, we'll talk to, uh, to Jim Roop about that. Do you see that in... I forget where it was in, in New Orleans. They have... There's some street where they have these huge, big-ass metal doors that they close to try to keep out the flood water. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I didn't see that. It's amazing. They were showing it on CNN last night. It looks like the gates of Mordor. It's... It, uh, it, it, just these huge, big metal gates that slam shut to try to keep the water out. I mean, it's kind of cool, but it's also it's a little creepy, uh, to be honest. Uh, so we'll talk uh, a little bit about uh, that. I can't seem to get my cardomatic uh, thing to load here. Plonk. No, it doesn't want to. Now I'm gonna have to restart this because I was gonna play a little sound effect here at the beginning of the program. I was gonna. I was gonna play you a soundbite that just within the last 48 hours, uh, I'm already sick to the teeth of. See if I can get this loaded here in a second. So we'll talk to uh, Jim Roop in New Orleans. Today, uh, top five. On Friday, we did the top five funkiest Stevie Wonder songs of all time. Today, top five B-sides that are better than the A-side. Uh, we'll get to that today. Top five B-sides that are better than the A-side. We'll talk to uh, Nina Parker from TMZ coming up uh, today, I do believe. Um, let's see. What else? We got uh, the latest entrant in the uh, AM 970 Birth of a Salesman uh, contest. That's coming up. Jesus, uh, penis watch coming up, double snuff watch coming up. It's all too much to handle. And yet, we will handle it with aplomb because it's what we do. Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification. An Oregon tourist is beaten to death in a Mexican jail. The holiday brings carnage to Oregon roadways. Kramitz fair increases now in effect. A woman brings bombs into the Washington County Sheriff's Office. A California man unsuccessfully tries to amputate his own arm while eating at Denny's. <laughs> A mom is charged with leaving her kids home alone as she takes off on a two-week honeymoon. A balloonist survives a 9,000-foot fall at the South Carolina Balloon Festival. Gossip Girl season opener breaks ratings records at the CW. And Carl Rove <clears throat> calls Joe Biden a big blowhard doofus. Alright. Uh, that's all coming up. I got all of these notes to get to from this weekend. Jesus, I still have notes from Obama's speech on Thursday that we never got to. And I'm going to do them today because I'm a completist. And they can't just sit there not read. That's just, uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, so we'll get to those. Uh, we'll, we'll get to some uh, initial observations from this weekend. All kind of stuff to get to. Uh, we're joined today uh, by uh, the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon, back from her excursion to New York City. Hello there. Hello. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. Uh, so, uh, I don't know this is a big question, but how was your trip? It was quite fun. I know I don't even know where to go. Where to go with it? I did many things and saw many things. Well, we were checking in with you a lot of times, you know, yeah. through the through the uh, the sort of week. So you know. Well, on this past weekend, like I yeah, I usually talk to you every day, so you know that I went to like the Sex and the City tour. Yes. Friday and then like saw you know 
movies and pools and against the Brooklyn Bridge and went for a long bike ride all around, you know all over the city. On Saturday though was one of the best days ever though. Um, the day before I left, we went to Coney Island all day and saw the freak show. Okay, so this is the thing you called me about, and so you were sort of you were very excited about this, but you went to see an actual honest to goodness freak show with like a bearded lady and it a... was so cool. I saw a girl swallow a sword that was three feet long. <laughs> it was. Bizarre, and they also had like the um, yeah, they had this girl who could light herself on fire, like her arms were on fire, and she was like blowing fire out of her mouth. And they had this other girl who was electric, and they would like stick light bulbs on her, and they'd light up. Did you tell me that there was a lobster boy? Then there was a lobster boy. That's fantastic, because you know, lobster boy has sort of been a, he's been a mainstay of American freak shows. I think the original lobster boy now lives in that town in Florida where all of the uh, the freaks live. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that town? No. There's a whole documentary uh, about it. There is this one town. I'm not making this up. There's this one town in Florida that is it is a known retirement community for people from the freak show. I've seen that before. It's fascinating. And so literally it's like it's like the strong man and the bearded guy and the lobster dude and uh, like no face woman. And they all live in like this one tiny little town in Florida. And it's where freak it's like where carnies and freak people uh, go to spend their golden years. Well, so there's this, other, there's this island, too, in New York. It's I can't remember what it's called, but I know it's right under the Queensboro Bridge. It's mm-hmm. right between Queens and Manhattan. And we rode over it and it's an amputee island. It used to have a it used to have an insane asylum there. What is the name? It's Roosevelt Island or something? What do you mean it's an amputee island? They uh, now instead of being an insane asylum, they actually it houses um like a, a vet, like hospital slash place where they right. live with a bunch of like wounded you know, like soldiers and whatnot. And you go down there and it's just nothing but a hospital apartments and a playground and amputees walking around everywhere. I'm just It's picture- insane. We we rode our bikes over the Queensboro uh bridge and I passed like four amputees walking across the bridge. I'm just picturing where they wave. I'm, oh, they probably. <laughs> I'm picturing Ricardo Montalban, like Eddie Murphy in the beginning of Trading Places, on the little, you know, welcome to Amputee Island, and then just sort of stumping his way off into the horizon. It is Amputee Island. It was it was insane. Excellent. And yeah, but but anyway, so I ended up talking to the, I don't know, like the ringmaster, the guy who's in charge of uh, of the freak show, and I actually got his card, and um, I was to see if maybe you wanted to have him on the air. Absolutely, yeah. freaking lootly. Are you so kidding me? Amazing. It was. The most, it's five dollars to get in, and they they bait you by having all like a couple of the freaks stand out there on um on like this platform out front, and they have this ringleader. He's like, "Come one, come all," and he's wearing a striped shirt or like a striped suit, and he comes out and he's like, "And see the magnifying Electra," and she's the girl who has all light bulbs, and then this other girl comes out and she's the tattooed lady, uh-huh. and she just comes out with this big fan in front of her face, and you can't see her face. And he's just like, "Come see the tattooed lady, breathe fire and sword swallowing and stuff." It was. So cool. Excellent. So, you, so cool. You know, except for the Jim Rowe Circus Side Show, I've never really been, and that's kind of a more of an updated thing, I've never really been to see an old school freak show from like the days of, you know, the days of yore. And old wooden bleachers, like nothing, nothing was tacky about it. Nothing was clean. Nothing was precise. It was just like right. things painted on the walls, you know, um, I don't know, like, you know, smacking like knives against the ground to show that they're real. Like it was just really dirty and gritty and completely awesome. Fantastic. And I rode on the Cyclone, which is the scariest thing I've ever done. Um, it feels like it's falling apart. All right, so so we'll talk a little bit more about that. I don't even, Jesus, uh, I don't even know where to. And where then to... all the stuff, what with the McCain and the lady and the baby. Oh yeah, I don't even. And that then... was huge in New York too. That's all everyone was talking about. And we'll bring in, um, uh, we'll bring in Richie Bristol uh, here in a bit because it, it, there's 
Richie was gone on some, what, four-day bender or something this week. I don't really know what he was doing. still drunk. Did Tim, do you, Tim, do you know what Richie was doing this weekend? Do you I know what his weekend Richie was about? Richie was having his annual party when he rents a big tent and invites hundreds of his friends. Okay. And I don't know whether to oh, be we offended or not that he was. Well, that was going to say. I don't really know whether to be offended that he didn't invite or, me. But or I would co-worker. I mean, I wouldn't have gone anyway. But um, So uh, later on today, we will not identify... To make it harder, we won't identify where he where he bought uh, this item or these items. But later on, we're going to play a little magical guessing game called What Did Richie Bristol Spend $150 On in Preparation for His Party? You don't know the answer either because you weren't here. No. All right. So uh, we'll also catch Sarah Dillon up on some uh, stuff that she may have missed. But um, So later on, we're going to ask you to answer this question. What did Richie Bristol spend 150 bucks on in preparation for his party this weekend. Also, I do believe he wrecked his truck. Uh, so did. I'm just looking at a picture of it right now. I haven't seen it. All I know is that he was doing something. All I know about Richie's party this weekend is he blew $150 on an item that we will have people guess at later. He wrecked his truck, yet drove home on it. And apparently at one point during the weekend, somebody that Richie was with uh, fell asleep, and he was then hogtied and thrown in the back of a vehicle and... I think any number of unpleasant things were done to that person. He was talking about somebody getting zip-tied. Yeah, so it's it's sort of an interesting life he leads. All right. um, So we're going to bring him in here and ask him why he didn't invite us. In in just a short while, probably. I don't even know where to. I don't even know where to start. Let me just get to a couple of these notes from this uh, from this weekend, and then we're probably going to have no choice but to break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk to Dick Uliano. Um, So Tim, we should probably do this now rather than later, because we're going to talk to Dick Uliano, then we'll have the new news hour, and i got all my notes to get to. So, Sarah Palin, do you want to try to recap everything, or should I, or do you want to do it together? How do you want to handle this? We can do it. We can do this together. All right. So we're a part of the same team. So I don't... So on Friday morning, I woke up, came into work, and I hadn't checked any of the news at home. So I come in, and some of this y'all will already know. So I came into work on Friday morning, and I do what I always do. You know, I don't know whether everybody has their home page. If I may ask, what is everybody's home page on your browser? Tim? Drudge? Sarah? All right. Uh, and I have Yahoo News. So so we're all, you know, everybody kind of goes to their own thing. I open up Yahoo News, and of course, as I always do, I check it to see if a famous person has died. Because that always, uh, you know, good to, good to start the day off with a little bit of a kick. So I open up Yahoo News. It's like McCain picks Palin So this is Thursday VP. morning? No, this is Friday, Friday morning. Friday morning, okay. And, you know, McCain picks Palin as, as VP. And I said, well, who? And I think which is what everybody said. I think that was the sort of the assembled response of a nation, which was WTF. And nobody had ever heard of her. Nobody knew who she was. And so that was Friday. It was a whole discussion of who is this woman? Why did she get picked? Uh, and, you know, we kind of talked about that. And it, it had a little bit of, I think, McCain's desired effect, which is it took a little bit of the buzz away from Obama, who had a really great speech on Thursday. But if you remember... We also alluded to the, which were rumors at that time, that her daughter was pregnant. Right. And so that was, we were, I think, the first people to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, On Friday morning, we were already in our own sort of vague way, alluding to some of the stories floating around about, what is his name, Trig Palin, the youngest kid, the baby? Uh, Trig and Trig. Uh, who the mom might be and who the mom is rumored to be or was rumored to be. And, and still is rumored to be. And still is rumored to be and, and all of that. So that was Friday. By Saturday night when I went to bed, and keep in mind, I, we are not saying that any of these things are true. We're not saying, did we? That's I, up to the inquirer to determine. That, it is. And you know what? I emailed Dorothy Carcassari uh, Saturday night around midnight. And I said, hey, I'm not telling you anything you probably don't already know, but tell, tell me you're looking into this. 
So by Saturday night, and I'm simply repeating, I'm simply reporting on the cultural buzz and the sort of collective uh, consciousness of a nation. Saturday night, by the time I went to bed, they were all, there were certain blogs already stating as fact. And of course, we're not saying it is fact. Looks like it might not be. But there were already people reporting as fact on Saturday night that this youngest Palin kid wasn't actually hers. It was her teenage daughter's. Mm -hmm. And she had sort of swooped in and, and pretended that the kid was hers yes. to spare her daughter sort of shame and embarrassment, which didn't end up helping in the long run anyway. So in the meantime, the family decides to give us for free, well, the better of a worst-case scenario. Right, exactly. Which they have done. And so that was on Saturday. By I think either Sunday night or Monday morning. I mean, it's just an amazing. It's an amazing story of how fast things unfold. I mean, Friday morning nobody had ever heard of her. By yesterday, Monday Labor Day, the McCain camp already then had to come out. I mean, the story is it hurts my brain to try to keep it even keep it straight. On Friday nobody had heard of her, but we announced her. On Saturday, rumors start flying that her youngest kid is actually her teenage daughter's kid. On Sunday, into Monday. The McCain camp, A, has to address these Internet rumors that she was only pretending the baby was hers to cover up the fact that her teenage daughter got knocked up, even though the mom is abstinence only. And then on Monday, the McCain camp came out and said, hey, so that whole scandal about the baby maybe being the daughter's, you know, it's really Sarah Palin's. It really is Sarah Palin's kid. But also look at this. The daughter is actually pregnant. I mean, it's just... it. I mean, so what is it today? Is it still that? I, I, the calculus of this entire thing is just fluctuating so rapidly from moment to moment, I can't even keep track so of it. So the only admission at this point is that the daughter is pregnant, and they've been putting the picture of the father on the Internet. Yeah, so, and he, boy, he just looks like a tool. I mean, maybe he's oh, a really Alaska, nice guy. I mean, boy, did you see Did you see this story? And I know that we're throwing a lot of stuff out. This is, geez, McCain defends Palin. I don't know if you've seen this. Um, so... Bristol Palin, who is Sarah Palin's 17-year-old daughter, and so as a minor, I will simply say, because she is a minor, I will simply say, uh, she does seem like a fresh-faced young girl. Uh, so She will uh, blossom into the, an attractive woman. The, the baby daddy uh, is some hockey player and self-described. This is from his MySpace page. This is from his MySpace page. He says, I'm an effing redneck. I live to play hockey. I'll kick ass. And then, of course, what does the baby daddy say on his MySpace page? Get her done? No. I don't want kids. Oh! Too late for you, friend. That's, uh, that's what we call a megapone right there. You're out of there. Thank you, thank you, thank you, right. Douchey, for knocking so, up her. So will that MySpace page uh, disappear? Oh, it's already disappeared, but TMZ had it archived, as they always do. So we'll talk to Nina Parker about that. His MySpace page is already gone, not before TMZ got a snapshot of it, uh, snapshot of it including the part where he says, I'm an effing redneck and I don't want kids. Say goodbye to the rest of your life, friend. Uh, all right, so... Uh, so that being said, we probably already have to break. It's 11.30, uh, and I know that it sounds like we're just sort of throwing information out, uh, sort of slipshod, helter-skelter, wiggledy-waggledy, higgledy-piggledy. But uh, we're going to be playing, I think, catch-up for probably the next 90 minutes or so before we can even start to get a handle on everything. All of that's coming up. Lisa Desjardins, Dick Giuliano, um, top five B-sides better than the A-side, and one random on-air caller today will win a copy of... A double feature DVD, The Bodyguard, and 
The Bodyguard 2, starring Tony Jaa on DVD. In stores now separately or as a double feature from Magnolia Home Entertainment. One random on-air caller today wins the Bodyguard double feature uh, DVD. We'll also count down to the Shield season premiere, which is happening tonight. And uh, just more stuff than you could shake the entire stick factory at. So I'll uh, take a break. Back after this with Dick Uliana. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio program. It is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. All right. As Julianne Moore would say in Boogie Nights, too many things, too many things, too many things. So much stuff going on right now. All right. Uh, coming up later on, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent James Roop, uh, who is uh, deep in it in New Orleans. Uh, we'll also talk to Lisa Desjardins coming up later on the day. Uh, top five B-sides that are better than the A-side. We'll have today's birth of a salesman entrant. Uh, let's see, what else? Um, we'll talk about Richie Bristol and his uh, four-day bender that he went on. Uh, we got the, the double snuff watch coming up today. All of that. Oh, by the way, we'll talk to Dick Uliano in like in like five seconds here. Um, but let me uh, let me just play this here. I'm just here's a little uh, FYI for me to you. If you're playing the home game, here's something I'm already tired of hearing. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. There you go. It's 503 No, don't ever play that again. That's the no, first no, no. time I've heard that. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. I'm that a, voice? I'm Adnoidal. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show CNN Radio correspondent Dick Uliano. Hello, sir. Hey, good good afternoon from the Republican Convention in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, how are you today, my friend? I'm going to apologize uh, in advance if I'm a little frazzled. It's just been, as you well know, probably better than most, one one heck of a weekend, one heck of a day. Yeah, uh, it's been a little crazy out here, too. You know, with the hurricane, they shortened things. Then yesterday, uh, with an abbreviated session, uh, protesters took to the streets. We had uh, nearly 300 arrests from um, uh, uh, St. Paul police. Basically, these uh, self-described anarchists uh, took over part of the streets. So pepper spray was uh, used, tear gas, rubber bullets, kind of a mess. Uh, I will say a couple things. First of all, I did see... On several news organizations last night, I saw several news organizations using the obligatory phrase groups of anarchists, which is sort of an amusing uh, play on words, I guess. And then I saw this. This was <laughs> this was they said they said, no, no, no. We see. Uh, and in fact, one and I do believe I'm not just saying Fox because I like to make fun of them. I do believe it was Fox News that actually used the phrase. Well, we've seen uh, several anarchist organizations out here today preparing for some kind of mischief. Um, so either they're being deliberately ironic or somebody just didn't get a copy of the Merriam-Webster when it came out. All right. No, yeah, that's right, because uh, they don't align themselves with any group. They're really kind of unusual uh, dudes. I mean, I don't know if you've run across any of these people. Uh, you know, the, the anarchists are the ones that disrupted, uh, what, the 1999 G8 uh, uh, meeting up in Seattle. Right. And uh, they were at a, another G8 uh, uh, meeting that I was at in uh, Brunswick, Georgia. Um, you know, they don't even use last names. I mean, and they don't regard themselves as being aligned with any particular group and having, uh, you know, any sort of uh, organization. But uh, they, they are unusual, uh, I'll say that, and they are determined uh, to disrupt this event, and um, they... They kept police busy. I will say this. This was on uh, CNN over uh, CNN television over the weekend. Uh, they were talking about it. They, they busted some house somewhere. A bunch of guys that they claimed were sort of getting ready to cause some kind of ruckus. Yeah. And it contained this phrase. It's just one of those things that as a journalist you probably don't think you're ever going to be saying. 
They contained this phrase. I think they were talking to Anderson Cooper, and they said, Anderson, the men appear to be stockpiling urine. So, you know, there's all kinds of things you probably don't anticipate having to report on. Um, so, I guess they toss that, though. Hey, you know, who, who, who knows? Yeah. Uh, the, the crazy kids and their anarchy, uh, Dick, there's just no way to know. So, yeah. I, so I don't even know where to, where to begin with this. I watched a little bit of the convention yesterday, but obviously, as you said, things have been really truncated because of the hurricane. Right. And is, is that because... Let's speak politically now for a second. Is yep. this because they do not want the appearance that they are throwing some big shindig while yeah. while everything's going bad down south? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, these national party conventions, the operative word is the middle word, their party. There were parties all week long, and the Republicans didn't want to be seen celebrating while uh, people uh, were, uh, you know, had life uh, and property endangered sure. in the Gulf states. It also, on the, uh, you know, on the same hand, would remind everybody of one of the biggest failings of the Bush administration, the failed response to Hurricane Katrina. So all around, the timing was bad, so they really needed to put the brakes on things. Now, with the situation seemingly getting under control in the Gulf states, they're going to go back in high gear today and uh, have a full session today. Well, so this is going to be my question to you, and just from a your observational vantage point. Uh, like with the Sarah Palin nomination, I can't quite figure out um, again, strictly in terms of politics, because obviously nobody wishes for anything. You know, everybody wishes that every, you know for all to turn out as, as good as possible. Um, you know, down south because of the hurricane. But in strictly political terms, like the Palin thing, I can't quite tell if this sort of change of plans at the convention is good or bad for the Republicans. Because on the one hand, you know, it's sort of thrown a whole wrench into the works. On the other hand. You know, I think they're having to drop some of the speakers, and they're maybe right. having to shift things around. Uh, and as of last night, they weren't even really sure that, that President Bush was even going to speak. And so what the word is now he's going to do it via satellite. What, is, right. what do we right. know? Well, I mean, you know, look, the president's approval ratings are 30 percent. Uh, and certainly John McCain has tried not to tie himself too closely uh, to the president during the campaign outside of Iraq war policy. So, you know, uh, is, is, I think many analysts would tell you it's not a great loss if the president didn't show up here in the minds of many of the voters. But he will make this appearance uh, via video hookup and, and talk tonight. Sarah Palin, uh, we are told, will speak tomorrow. And, you know, these latest controversies with Sarah Palin with her unwed teenage daughter, uh, pregnant five months, these are distractions that uh, certainly McCain may not well, probably does not want to have. I mean, you don't want, as your as your as the, the top of the ticket, you don't want your running mate suddenly making all sorts of news that you're not controlling, and that's what's been going on here. The delegates here seem to be taking it in stride. Let me ask you this question: on a scale of one to ten, because again, not to diminish the role of vice president, but people typically vote, as you said, at the top of the yes. ticket. People very rarely, I think, does a voter make up his or her mind based on who the number two is. That being said. How much is riding on Sarah Palin's speech, which is the first time that most Americans will get any sort of an extended look at her? A lot. And I think that you're right. I think that absolutely we've learned over time people don't tend to vote for the vice president. They vote for the top of the ticket. But, 
This time, I think that the running mate has particular significance for the McCain campaign. Why? Because he's 72 years old and a cancer survivor. So people are concerned about who is a heartbeat away from the presidency. And I think that this is one of the issues that Democrats are really going to use against him, uh, that she is well, mayor of the small town of Wasilla in Alaska and uh, really not much uh, experience as the governor of that state, although the McCain campaign is touting her as having more executive experience than Barack Obama. But the Democrats I've spoken with, this is what they're hitting on more, is her lack of national security and foreign policy experience rather than her family situation, which involves her teenage daughter. All right, Dick Uliano, I know it's a busy day for you. Undoubtedly, we will speak again uh, this week, so have a, uh, have a great day. We'll talk Thanks. soon, Dick. Thanks, Thank Rick. you. Dick Uliano, ladies and gentlemen. I don't even get my head around it. It's too much. It's so much craziness. I am just so grateful that that daughter got herself knocked up. <laughs> Seriously, like... Your, Jesus heard your prayers, Sarah. I don't know, unless... I don't know. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. Oh, uh, my God. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, I'm just, just reading the story right now. I'm just, I am just I just keep, like, Googling it and just reading all the, the Sarah Palin thing? It's insane. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing to... I mean, look, and the whole thing about her secretly... You know, the daughter secretly having the, the kid, Trig, and then Sarah Palin pretending. You know, it's probably one of those things, politically speaking, is just too good to be true. But it is interesting to note, you know, because then the problem with this is then you start to work yourself into some weird conspiracy corner, and then you're, you know, and then you're hiding out somewhere claiming, Building 7 shouldn't have collapsed! You know, so uh, you got to be real careful with this, because otherwise you just turn into a freak. But it, 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 it becomes this big house of mirrors where you can't even... You can't even really keep it all straight in your head because it's so ridiculous. On the one hand, they were just bending over backward to make the case that this youngest kid, Trig, is actually Sarah Palin's and not the daughter's. The daughter didn't get pregnant. The daughter didn't have a kid. It's not the daughter's kid. The daughter was never pregnant. The kid didn't come from the daughter. And then within 48 hours, they have to go, oh, but she does have a kid and she is pregnant. So just not the one you were talking about. Sorry about so that. So were they, were they surprised with that like, extra super slutty title? Like, if she's having like two babies out of wedlock? And it just it boggles my mind, too, how this woman's stance on like anti-abortion, not going to be an abortion thing, but like, it's just so weird. I, I don't understand it. Well, I can't like, even... She's going on, like, pounding all these moral values and yet, like, being like, well, stop picking on my daughter for having a baby at 16. I can't even... My whole, I just can't even process I, what it means politically right now. That's my whole deal is just trying to figure out... I was just talking to Dick Uliano. He, he just said it's impossible to, to tell how, if this helps uh, McCain or hurts McCain because, on the one hand, people say, well, you know, a lot of kids get pregnant. A lot of families have this issue. Uh, you know, a lot of girls get into trouble, as they used to say, so maybe it makes her more relatable. But on the other hand, she does appear to be, to some extent, on this abstinence-only education kick, which doesn't really seem to have worked all that well in her own family. Also, like she can't really influence her own family. I mean... And I don't I think, know, that doesn't seem like a good representation. Well, and I do believe, I mean, if I, if I can just make one personal observation, it, it, also, I think Sarah Palin herself, let's, let's just operate under the assumption for, from now on. I mean, at least I, for the moment, we will just sort of take as read that what they've said is true and that this new kid is the daughter's, but that the other kid was, in fact, Sarah Palin's and that there's no skullduggery so or shenanigans. what's your money on? I think that the, no, I think I think they're the both kids, the daughters. The now the kid's probably hers. I mean, I think, I, think she's probably, I think she's probably telling the truth about that, only because it would seem like the pregnancies would overlap otherwise, and that's just, there's just no way that happens. But and there are all those weird pictures with her with no pregnancy well, stomach. I guess my point, though, is just assuming for the moment that everything is sort of on the up and up, 
On the one hand, it does seem to make her, again, more relatable, and she's a, a mother and a parent who maybe struggles with some of the same issues that the average American does. But on the other hand, I think I can't even keep straight on how many alleged kids Sarah Palin has, either four five. or five. So that means that she's, you know, she's got five kids, one of whom is a special needs kid, and she's going to try to be vice president. And I don't think her husband, her husband just appears to be a snowmobiling all the time. And plus, it's a newborn kid. And, you know, I have a friend who has, a couple of friends who have newborns, and that's breastfeeding and right. 24 hours Well, of and that's assuming the, the kid time. does not have Down syndrome. Yeah. So it's also interesting that she went back to work three days after the kid was born. So, you know, I'm just saying, hmm. I are on the Rick Emerson radio program. It's too many things happening. Hey, Rick. Hey, Timmy, Sarah. What's up? Oh, well, I got something to add to your too many things happening. All right. Did you learn that uh, yesterday Don LaFontaine passed away? Yeah, we're going to be talking about that later on today. We actually have a uh, two-and-a-half snuff watches today, d d d sort of double, sort of triple, two-and-a-half uh, snuff watch today. And you guys got to take care of Richie. So when he picked up, it just sounded like a drunkard. Oh, we're going to talk to him here in a little while. He uh, he seems to be having a bad time of it, and I guess he had either the best weekend ever or the worst weekend ever or quite possibly a combination of both. So. And I know uh, your love for Kiss and, uh, you know, uh, Timmy Ryan's arrogance. Yes. Well, I tuned into Musicology this Sunday, mm -hmm. and uh, he has a segment on there called Kick Team Ryan's Ass. He does. Where, uh, you know, you just throw out some music trivia, and he tries to guess it. Well, uh, my question was, uh, you know, Eric Carr died on the same day as uh, Freddie Mercury. Yes. He didn't know that. Uh -huh. And I won uh, Kissology Volume 2. Excellent. Volume. Congratulations, my friend. All right, there you Thank go. You. Well done. All right. Show ever. Thank you. All right, there you go. Yeah, Musicology 7 and 9 on Sunday. Yeah, they have a... A kick to me, Ryan's ass thing, which is sort of a music trivia segment because he is, you know, where he sort of takes on all comers in terms of music trivia. And for several weeks now, they've had this Kissology Volume 2 to give away, and nobody's won it. Sounds like that guy did. Excellent. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Yeah, tell uh, tell your screener that the proper uh, My way to answer the phone is it, uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, hold, hold, oh, on, hold, hold on a second, sir. <laughs> hey, Richie. Richie, on a scale of 1 to 10, how good do you feel right now? He's lying. What? I don't even understand what he said. I don't know what that means. All right. How can I help you, sir? Yeah, Sarah Palin? Yeah. She's us. She is She is the best choice McCain could have possibly made. Are you being sarcastic? No. I, can't. I am so behind McCain and, and Palin. The, this, this whole campaign is about change and about a, a new beginning. What better new beginning could you have than her? I can't really tell if you're being serious or not. This sounds like you I might be on the edge of irony. I'm being a perfectly serious. Wait, Aren't you going to freak out that, that McCain... Obama screwed up by, by, by taking Biden, who is the most inside, inside guy there is. And McCain took a chance, and he took one of the actual people who has actual problems yeah, with but their here's, lives. But can I tell you this? Here's the thing. I don't want someone who's like us running I the country. I don't I don't want to believe Yeah, I do. Uh, here's the thing. I, just, I don't really want one of us running the country because most of us are dumb. But she's not. She's a governor of a state. She's accomplished a lot. A governor in spite, of a state. in spite of her having to have you know five kids and and her family has nothing to do with anything. Well, I would say just in my I'm just saying in my opinion, it seems like and I would say this about anybody. And again, you know, we don't do a lot of politics here, but I would say first of all. When they say, well, you know what, I want somebody who's just a regular American. I don't want a regular. The regular American is a moron. I want someone who is nothing. Is. Oh, it, it, hold on. I want, I want someone who is nothing at all like a regular American because 90% of people in this country are functionally retarded. So but if I, you want somebody who can relate to, 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 to the problems of the people and maybe make some change, she is it. She's got the intelligence to make the change, and she knows what changes need to be made. 
I don't necessarily I don't necessarily know that somebody who is serving in the executive branch of her state or who is the executive leader of her state in the West ties to oil companies is necessarily like like all of us. But that being said, so it just, Obama, uh, just, 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 just hold on. I guess my whole thing is though, it seems like you can either be vice president or you can be a mom to five kids. I don't think you can be both. What you think she's not going to have some help? I don't think having a or nanny. I don't think having a nanny is being a mom. I think that's farming your kids out. And I think you can either have five kids and be a good mom, or you can have the second most powerful job in in the world. I don't think you can do both. And I, kids are adults. You know, one what? of them's in the military going to Afghanistan. You know, and one of them one of them has Down syndrome and needs a mom right. around. And she'll be around. I'm sure she she'll be able. To have the, the child let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay. I don't have kids. I have a dog, but I got to tell you that, and I don't have like the hardest job on earth. But I would say there are a lot of times when I don't feel like I have enough energy or time to do a good job here, and okay. then also just to go home and be like a husband and like have a dog. So you you know you add three kids and one of whom is a special needs kid. Oh, and by the way, you're the vice president. I'm not trying to pick on her because she's I, from what. I oh, just, just, yeah, just hold on. I'm not trying to pick on her because she's from whatever party. I'm just saying, and I think, among others, Dr. Laura would agree with me on this, you got to do one or the other. Well, no, the feminists have been preaching for years about how you can be a mother and how you can have a career. So now all of a sudden they're going to say you can't have a career and be a mother? And we know know that they're right about everything all the time. All right, there you go. We got to move on. I don't mean to be a jerk. We just got to move on. Jesus. All right, so it begins. I'm, it's exciting, though. I'm, it's I'm exciting. not trying to be a jerk about it, and I'm not trying to be some partisan whatever about it, because I don't care. I mean, I'm just, it really doesn't matter to me. I'm just making the point that having five kids does seem to be a bit of a drain on your time. And, you know, and it's not like you're running for dog catcher, the guy who's going to go around the neighborhood handing out snow cones. I mean, that would, that would be my, and you know what, and having a nanny come in and raise your kids isn't being a mom. That's having kids that you then have a stranger raise, which just seems fundamentally wrong to me. So, you know, call, and I don't even have kids. So, I mean, you know. The dog's else? enough. <laughs> All right, let's welcome down to the Rick Emerson Show. Jesus. Uh, I can already just see the next 60 days in front of me. It's just a, a road of tears. Uh, Jim Roop, hello, sir. Howdy. How are you? Seven kids in my family. You have, so wait, you are one of seven? I'm the second oldest. Yeah, I mean... Oldest male. You know, and, 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 I, I really want to say this. Uh, again, I, I don't... I didn't mean to be obnoxious with the guy, and I really don't mean to sound like I'm taking some anti-Sarah Palin pack or whatever. You know, whatever. I'm sure she's a perfectly nice person and whatever. But uh, five kids is a bit of a handful uh, for somebody who just has a... You know, somebody who's working at 7-Eleven probably finds five kids a bit of a handful. You know, much less, you know, you got a job that's just going to keep you away from the house. And, uh, you know, it, it does not, to me, seem like the best way to raise some, you know, balanced, uh, grounded, well-adjusted kids for you to be gone all the time. It just doesn't. Yeah. So, you know, but, you know, what Well, the I thing know? is, two kids is two kids, three kids is ten kids. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, one of the kids has special needs and you know, so forth and... You know, whatever. Uh, and that, and I really do, I do believe to my core what I said to that guy. That guy goes, well, you know, she's a great choice because she's just like the average American. I don't want the average American in charge of paving roads, much less in charge of launch codes. The average American, uh, really, the average American, you know, I wouldn't trust the average American to gamble the rent money on Wheel of Fortune. Do you know what I mean? So, good God. All right, you are in uh, New Orleans. And so, 
I don't even know where this is another thing. It's just happening faster than we can even talk about it. So Gustav, not gone, but has peaked, yes? Well, it's gone from here. It's gone from it's there. It's not gone. It's, it's a storm now, and it's, it's continuing its trek. I think, it, um, I think it's out of Louisiana now, and it's just a storm dumping rain everywhere. And so you now there is yet another storm, hurricane, something on the way, yes? There's uh, Hurricane Hannah, there's Hurricane Ike, and another uh, tropical depression they named Josephine, all brewing out there in the uh, Atlantic. Uh, um, and, and so I'm looking at uh, some photos uh, right here as we talk. So, so there is somewhere, I believe it is in New Orleans, and maybe you know about this, they were showing this on CNN last night, there are these huge metal doors that they close. Uh, where they try to try to keep sort of rising floodwaters from coming into a specific part of the town. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Where wh where where is that? Do you know? That's in the that's in the south there. That's in the Harbor Canal. It's just fascinating to look at. I mean, it really is. It is. I was watching it last night as they showed just these massive metal gates that close, and then a gate, but you know, a door that forms a wall, and it's both sort of comforting and terrifying all at once, because and on the one hand, it is presumably there to lessen the damage of the rising floodwaters. On the other hand, it is sort of like you know, it, it is a it is man's acknowledgement of how very little control he has over nature, or when we try to control nature. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the, the, but this place floods every May anyway for the May rains. So the flooding isn't really in certain areas anyway. It's not uncommon, but uh, because there are rising waters everywhere, it's the storm surge really. When I was here during Katrina, that's what it was. It was the storm surge and the barges in the industrial canal. It kept banging up against the, the levee wall, broke the levee, and all that water came tumbling into the lower ninth ward and those uh, uh, th those uh, low-lying areas there. But right. I, and I drove through there yesterday, and it looks exactly the same as it did in Katrina. You can still see the water line on those abandoned mm. houses. Mm. Well, we were talking to Ed McCarthy about this, and I was, you know, it was one of those things. One of those things three years ago that we, the entire country and the media, it was really top of mind awareness, you know, for three, four, five, six months. And you don't really hear a lot about it now. You know, we're only kind of hearing about it this week because of Gustav and the other storms. And you kind of ask yourself, well, how much of that was ever really permanently taken care of? Or is it a thing that, you know, was sort of an out of sight, out of mind kind of a deal? Well, a lot of it was done. Uh, a lot of, uh, here, Katrina is not out of anybody's mind. They're still rebuilding. They're still trying to figure things out. The, the plan that they put in effect to get everybody out of here was amazing in and of itself. Not just they were urging folks to get out, but they gave them a way to get out. In Katrina, you know, these poor slobs uh, in, in the lower ninth and everything, they didn't even have cars. And if they did right. have cars, it couldn't make it very far north. But this time they put them on buses, trains, planes, got them out of town. Uh, they're going to do the same thing to get them all back. You know, I mean, the, the plan that they developed and the shoring up of the levees and, and all of the other things they did since Katrina really paid off for them. You say what you want about how strong Gustav was not, uh, it's still – it still showed us that everything they've been doing for the past three years made sense and it worked. Well, I would say, well, and didn't uh, Ray Nagin put out some statement? He, he said flat out, like, don't come back yet. Stay gone. If you're gone, well, stay gone. A lot of down power lines. Yeah. You know, that's dangerous. I mean, the water, the sewage system still is kind of iffy. You know, the water's not safe just yet. You know, give them another day to assess all the damage. Starting Thursday, they're going to start letting people back. It's not going to be weeks. It'll be days. Mm. But they want to get people back here quick, too, because, you know, the economy's suffering. Uh, I, I mean, I can't. I cannot even begin to imagine 
if you take three years ago and now, the total amount of dollars either spent on reconstruction or lost in the economy because of these storms. I mean, it's yeah. just it's got to be off the charts. Yeah, hmm. well, I, I, it's it, it, everything suffers when something like this yeah. happens because every industry is affected. And then there's all that residual effect. You know, the, the oyster industry is going to be screwed up for a while oh, because yeah. the salt from the Gulf gets in and kills those water beds. The oil industry screwed up for a while because they had to stop production in the Gulf uh, and, until they can uh, get... Yeah. You know, get people back out there on those rigs. Well, and obviously, we were just talking to Dick Giuliano about this. That it's you know, it's kind of playing havoc with the Republican convention this week, which could, in some way, in such a close election, I uh, you know, could swing things to one side of the aisle or the other. So well, this was real good for the Republicans because you know, Bush and everybody else says we're not going to do this, we're not going to do that because we're going to be we're concerned with uh, Gustav. And I got to tell you, all the people that I talked to were very happy. Oh, they love us, you know. They're <laughs> they're, gonna, uh. they're looking out for us now. So you yeah. know, good for them. Uh, all right. Uh, I know it's a, a busy week for everybody, so I will let you get uh, back to it. You're going to be there tomorrow. How long are you there for? Uh, I leave tomorrow. All right, so we got to go to OJ on Monday. <laughs> Lucky you. Yeah. Uh, I'll, have, I'll have. I'll I'll try to have some vodka waiting for you. Thanks, pal. All right, brother. Enjoy your trip. Uh, travel safe. Bye bye. All right, there you go. That's uh, Jim Rope. <sighs> too much. All right, and get these calls. We're going to break. We're going to come back with Tim Riley. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. How are you? What's up? Uh, well, actually, a couple of things. I. I heard that there was the Hurricane Ike. If I lived in Tina, Mississippi, I'd want to move. <laughs> okay. Yes, okay. and? Uh, uh, regarding being a governor and smart, yeah. um, there's always Jesse the Body Ventura. Well, yeah. you know, you know what, I'm, she may be smarter than I am because, you know, you can't run a state, I guess, if you're just a complete uh, tool, although somebody can probably dig up an example to prove me wrong. So, and What about a country? You know, well, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm I'm really I'm I'm really trying hard not to just not to devolve into like uh you know all things know, considered know, or whatever trying, here. It's just I'm trying she, to be funny too. I don't want to wind up like there's that just, last guy. There's well we're trying to you know there's just so much to talk about with her and that's kind of why that's kind of why it's a little I don't want to say it's a, it's a little challenging sometimes because partially because so much of this unfolded over the last we got a four day backlog. I mean we didn't get to a lot of it on Friday. We got Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And now we're—it's like trying to drink from a fire hose today with this Sarah Palin thing because there's her whole nomination. There's the fact that she's hot. Uh, there's uh, you know the fake pregnancy rumors that went around. There's the now actual real pregnancy. There's the fact that James Carville did the best thing on on Larry King last night. Uh, it was the best thing I've ever seen because they were talking about Sarah Palin's qualifications to be vice president, to be you know the, the most powerful person in the world, whatever. Because again, you know, McCain's 72 and had cancer. People keep saying he's a can he had cancer four times. Uh, right. And so Carville had the greatest moment where he goes, he goes, I want to show you the city hall of the place where she was made, and he holds up a picture of the city hall. And it's like, I mean, it, 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 it's a tiny place. I mean, as he said, it looks like a bake store in Louisiana. I mean, it's minuscule. So there's just so much to talk about with her. And she may be a run-of-the-mill average American, but the run-of-the-mill average American is kind of dense, you know? So Right. No, I agree. And, and lastly, 16-year-olds, uh, you know, knocked up 16-year-olds is not that big of a deal. They're everywhere, especially yeah. in evangelical houses that, uh, you know, preach abstinence. Well, and let's be honest, in Alaska, what else is there to do? You really? know, I mean, really. All right, thank you. By the way, genius on the uh, Juno quote. Thank you. All right, thank you. One more, then we got a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Rick. Hello. Hey. Hey. You know what? I don't get this whole thing that she was mayor of a town. She's also been governor of a state for what two years? Yes, that is true. So they keep harking back to 
something further back. I mean, how long has Barack Obama been in office? Two years? I guess my whole question is, and and I, this is really only a question. I mean, it's not like you have to have tons of experience to be to be good at something. It, I mean, it, it should be noted that if you were to combine, I think. Obama and Biden's years of experience and McCain and Palin's years of experience, I mean, you know, the Obama ticket's got like 30% more. That being said, I just find it hard to believe, there's, what, there's 280 million people in this country. I just find it hard to believe, and this is what I said about Bush and Kerry both, that, like, that's the best they could find. 280 yeah. million, let me ask you this, just flat out, 280 million people, do you believe that's the best they could do? Not, no. Well, there you go. I mean, so the question is, like, if not, then why not? Yeah, good question. Yeah, I mean, that's my only thing. I mean, it's nothing about her. I'm just saying, seems like she jumped to the line pretty quickly, unless she's secretly like a Mensa and nobody's really aware of it or something. So, <laughs> all right. Thanks. Well, you know what? Yes. It, it, you don't have to worry. Um, no matter what happens, Obama's going to get elected, and they'll let it run for four years, and then she... Palin will be back four years after that to go after him. Well, you know, I hope she comes back because I never get tired of hearing. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. Ah. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, Sarah, can we just roll right into the news hour mm -hmm. here? All right. Uh, by the way, you're listening to KCMD Portland. Hello, Tim Riley. You're preparing news for us? Yes, I have to get coffee first, though. All right. Um, so uh, let's see. A couple things. Um, let me just do a couple of notes here, and then we'll uh, roll right into the noon news hour because it's just there's too much to get to. A couple things. I uh, got this uh, MySpace message, subject line, number one fan. And normally when somebody sends you the number one fan, it is, in fact, the number one fan emailing or you know messaging you. This one says, hi, my name is Natasha. Oh, by the way, it should be noted, uh, Natasha is 14. My name is Natasha. My dad, she continues, not to say this creepily, Rick, is in love with you. Every night he gets home at 6, he kicks everybody off the Internet so he can download your talk show. It's quite entertaining. I've never seen anyone so excited over urine bombs or government conspiracy. My dad is one of your friends on MySpace. His name is John ba ba Barouskis? Barouskis? Well, you know who you are. If you could send him a message or something, I think he might just have a heart attack. Here you go. Let's see if we can hear the sound of John Barouskis hitting the floor. John Barouskis, the Rick Emerson Show salutes you. There you go. All right. Uh, two more, then we'll begin the new news hour. Rick, can you please clarify? This is from Greg. Can you please clarify whether irregardless is a word or not? I think it's not, and the use of said word drives me crazy. Please enlighten me. It is not a word, not an accurate one anyway, because it's a double negative. Because the ear and the less cancel each other out because they both mean nowhere to be without. So it is a double negative. It's not a word. Just because something's in the dictionary, by the way, does not make it a word. So it is not a word that anybody should use under, while being under the impression that it's accurate. Uh, and finally, wait, finally. Where's the other one? Uh, uh, you know, we'll wait. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, will you please bow down before Tim Riley? It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. An American Airlines plane is coming in for an emergency landing at LAX as we speak. Apparently, uh... Let's see, it's having trouble with its landing gear. That's almost done. It has uh, shredded tires. <laughs> I don't want anything on my plane to be shredded mm -hmm. at all. So, uh, yeah, it has uh, shredded tires, and we don't know how many people are aboard. So, uh, let's see. I'm trying to get some live coverage up here so we can uh, 
What? So this is so it's an American. Where was it from, or where was it? I mean, uh, where was it sort of at when this all happened? It's about to make an emergency landing. Well, it, uh, it doesn't say where it's coming from. So I wonder if it was on its way to LAX anyway, or if it was just sort of in the neighborhood and had that. Well, it seems like it must have been there already, mm-hmm. or you know, headed there already, because you wouldn't just be in the vicinity of LAX for no reason. Right. All right, but there's no. So the the landing gear is damaged, or there just is no landing gear. Uh, let's see. The tires are shredded. Uh. Uh. So that is. And it's still in the air right now. It is still in the air. It is about to come in for a landing. That's one of those things. Did I tell the story on the air? I can't remember about somebody we knew. It was getting ready to land in a plane, and she looked out and just saw fire trucks lining up on the side of the uh, on the side of the runway. That's kind of scary. Jesus. Well, I mean, they do plan for this kind of a thing, and they foam the runway, and they do all that stuff. So let's hope it all comes together. What do they do? Event? Do you know? Uh, They do put they put down a sort of fire retardant foam, I think, uh, so that the plane can land on its belly if it has to without sufficient friction that it causes any sort of a damage or that nothing catches or tears off or that the, you know, the, the fuel doesn't catch on fire. So that's what's going on now. We'll get back to that. I was right. hoping that this would buffer in time, but it is not. All right. Uh, somebody fired a weapon at a TriMet bus in North Portland early this morning. Nobody was seriously injured. A window on the bus was cracked. Investigators think the damage may have been caused by a paintball gun or a slingshot. It happened at 1 a.m. as the bus drew, drove near the intersection of North Albina and Killingsworth. Why they have bus service there, I'll never know. You're taking your life in your own hands. So anyway. Meanwhile, the carnage continues on the Oregon roadways. Yes, uh, four more people are dead in four separate crashes on Oregon highways, bringing the total of nine killed over the holiday weekend. Uh, so this stuff was all over the place. And, of course, there are people drunk driving and raising all kinds of heck out there. An Oregon tourist is dead after being beaten to death in a Mexican jail, and six Mexican cops are under house arrest in the death. Uh, Sean Botner is a crab fisherman from Young Keller. He and his wife went on vacation last week to uh, Cabo. The trip was to celebrate the man's return from fishing season in Alaska. Well, things didn't go too well, apparently. The couple came back from dinner. Uh, Kim Botner said they went for a swim in the ocean. Her husband, Sam, went up to their rented condo to change. A short time later, she heard her husband shouting in anger. She ran to the parking lot and saw a man sitting on the ground. She said uh, Sam had gotten into a confrontation with a security officer at the condo and then into a fight with a man. And apparently they handcuffed uh, Sam and took him to jail, and that's the last time they saw him alive. Mm. So uh, trying to stay out of trouble in Mexico. Uh, meanwhile, a Hillsborough woman walked into the Washington County Sheriff's Office over the weekend with a box containing 32 seal bombs. Uh, 56-year-old uh, Leanne Wade wasn't a bad woman. Apparently she took these away from one of her son's playmates. A seal bomb? They use seal bombs to scare seals from shipping docks. Okay. And for fun. I guess people flapping their arms doesn't scare them away. Mm-hmm. So uh, these are classified as high explosives under federal law. Uh, the seal bombs resemble a small stick of dynamite. To legally detonate one, a permit is required from the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Like that, actually. Where was this at? Uh, Hillsboro. Uh, well, you know. So apparently uh, one of her son's playmates brought them in, and you know how kids are. So yes. She ruined their weekend by taking away their bombs. Kids and their high-powered incendiary devices. Well, you know, if she doesn't, well, at least it wasn't a daughter. If it was a daughter, probably, well, you know what happens with daughters. We talked about that earlier. Uh, prior investigations uh, with the Woodburn Police Department say a woman that was helped and befriended by a Lowe's Home Improvement Store employee was actually the target of an identity theft. Isaac Folsom, a Lowe's employee in Kaiser, who's been arrested. They found personal information connected with other store employees, including social security numbers, hire dates, all by searching this guy's residence. 
The investigation uh, began after a woman who made a purchase at Lowe's in 2007 re- uh, received a phone call from a collection agency in regard to an overdue Lowe's credit card bill. Uh, the woman was told she owed $8,000. The woman responded she never had an account there. So the, uh, they arrested this Lowe's employee for stealing uh, people's identity. Uh, and, uh, by the way, so I'm looking at Perez Hilton uh, right now. Have you seen these pictures of, uh, of Bristol Palin? I I haven't seen them lately. So this is, I'm looking at the, the, the Todd the Corpse, God bless him, uh, just something to me. So I'm looking at, uh, this is um, Bristol Palin. She, <laughs> they're on Perez Hilton, and of course, uh, kids love, well, there's two things that Bristol Palin, Mr. Um, uh, Pan is apparently not going to be known for. A, she's pregnant, and B, now there's a whole bunch of photos of her uh, posing like kids do with big bottles of alcohol, and then these are all from uh, her MySpace page. So there's one of her posing with a bunch of mini bottles. There's one of her posing with a huge fifth of Captain Morgan. It's almost finished. She lives a spicy life, Tim, just like the captain and himself. There's one with her with the actual beer in her hand. That looks like a Corona. Uh, and so then, of course, the next question. Now everybody will be sort of retroactively dating these to see if she was pregnant when these photos were taken. That'll be the next step. So the question is... Who dropped the ball in the screen, screening process during this? Well, of all Americans, I they mean, could have chosen. I, I don't really know. I mean... This is a Pandora's box. It will not be closed. I just don't really... i got to pull up my chair. And you know that it's... Tim, you know that it's a serious discussion when I pull my chair up. It is. Um, you know, so th- we have that guy who called up. And I don't mean to sound like I'm sort of railing on the caller. Because I'm really not. But he called up and he thought that Sarah Palin was a great choice because she represents change. In what way, I'm not really sure. But, uh, you know, because we've already had a vice president, vice presidential nominee who's a woman. Mm-hmm. We've already had vice presidents that had ties to the oil industry. We've already had vice presidents that were governors. So I don't really know in what way she represents like a break from the status quo, but that's neither here nor there. The question is, as someone famously said about Watergate, what did John McCain know and when did he know it? Because as it's, this was the other thing we should have um, we should have said early on. I mean, I, I can never kind of keep straight today. What we've already talked about on Friday and what sort of came out over the weekend and what came out yesterday, which was a weekday, but we weren't really here. Because McCain only met her once for 15 minutes before offering her the vice presidential slot. I mean, granted, it was just like 15 minutes more than anybody else in the entire freaking Western Hemisphere had met her. But so is McCain, do you think, really that much of a maverick that he just made the unilateral decision like we're going to go with her and I don't care what anybody says, you know, or was she actually vetted? I mean, it, it really does. It, it does prompt that question because what I read this weekend, the general consensus that I read is that McCain wanted to offer it to Joe Lieberman, who is just like a massive energy drag, mm-hmm. but who also would have have really irritated the right wing because Lieberman is very very pro-choice and he's also not a Republican. He's an independent, I think, at this point. So. I guess up until like the day before, McCain wanted to go with Lieberman, but he knew if he did that, that the evangelicals would abandon him and he wouldn't have a snowball's chance in hell. Mm. So then he went with the Sarah Palin woman, who I think was on like nobody's short list of anything, except for perhaps governors that you'd like to see naked. I mean, that might really only be it. So Maybe 20 years ago. I would say she's still attractive. I would say uh, I still give her a thumbs up. Uh, not as hot as she was. Have you seen those beauty pageant photos of her? I have. Boy, she looks silly. Mm-hmm. She looks like she's right off the set of sort of... You know what she looks like in her beauty pageant photos? She looks like she's off the set of a college production of an episode of Dynasty. Let's not also forget... I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. Anyway, so I I think we're going to be uh, hearing a lot in the next few days, weeks, whatever, about how much John McCain and his people actually knew about her before she was selected to be the vice presidential nominee. I mean, it... 
The question of who dropped the ball is, I think, is already on uh, everybody's lips right now. What a mess. Are you looking? What are you? Are you? Oh, the the part where he says, I don't want kids. Yeah. I mean. And, and it's in Us Magazine. <laughs> this isn't something that people are going to forget about tomorrow. This oh. is in Us Magazine. Where I, mean, it's, it's, uh, I got it from TMZ. Us, yeah, usmagazine.com. Um, right here it says. Um, Sorry, in case you just joined us. Uh, from his MySpace page, which apparently disappeared, this uh, father of the child. His name is um, Levi, Levi Johnson. Father of the child. Mm-hmm. His MySpace page reported, the MySpace pages disappear, but apparently, before it said, I don't want kids. Yes. The, the teen hockey player makes a candid revelation that he does not want to be a parent, stating, quote, I do not want kids. The teen also uses his uh, MySpace site to talk openly about how he likes to spend his spare time. He boasts, quote, I am an effing redneck who likes to snowboard and ride dirt bikes. You know, there just aren't enough of those having kids, Tim. But I like to play hockey. I like to go camping and hang out with the boys, do some fishing, shoot some S, and just effing chillin', I guess. <laughs> and he warrants, you eff with me, I'm going to kick your ass. What was that, Tim? He warrants, you eff with me, and I'll kick your ass. Do what needs to be done. All right. That is fantastic. Oh, this is the best election ever. Uh, really, this, this is terrific. Well, you know that I was, I mean, it's no big secret. Rick Emerson was sad after Hillary Clinton did not get the nod because I was afraid we weren't going to. Can you believe that just a few weeks ago I was afraid that we weren't going to have any fireworks? I was afraid there wasn't going to be any ruckus, wasn't going to be any scandal, no discord. This is fantastic. I mean, I couldn't just, can I just tell you, I met with, um, I was having the dinner with uh, my friend Chris Morris on Friday about something totally unrelated. And, um. You know, he's kind of a, a politics nerd the same way uh, I am. You know, he sort of is into the WWE uh, aspect of it. And, it, you know, he said the same thing. He's like, you know, this is, he said it may not be, he, uh, how did he put it? He said, it may not be the greatest election that ever happens, but it's already the greatest election that's, that has happened. Uh, but he said the greatest thing right now uh, uh, on Friday, though, about this this whole thing that's happening right now, because... Lost in all of this is the fact that we got all these debates coming up, um, you know, and the fact that this Sarah Palin woman who, you know what, I'm willing to admit that maybe I'm wrong about all this. Maybe she's going to get up there and just be a firecracker and really be studied up on the knowledge. Maybe she's going to know it backward and forward. Maybe she's secretly like some the brain surgeon and there's, nobody's aware of that. But you realize she's going to have to be in a room with Joe Biden, who's been cold cocking people both, uh, I think, verbally and I would wager in the past, probably physically, for you know 20-odd years now. And Chris Morris, I want to give him credit for this. Chris Morris made the following prediction. Uh, he made this prediction at 7.45 p.m. on Friday, August 30th, 2008, while we were having dinner. He said, this is Chris Morris's prediction, he said, I predict that at some point early on in the vice presidential debate, Joe Biden will find an excuse to say the following. I know Hillary Clinton. I've worked with Hillary Clinton. You, miss, are no Hillary Clinton. And the genius thing about that... That gave me tingles. Oh, it's fantastic. So that's uh, Chris Morris was the first person in my presence to predict that. But the great thing about that line, which Biden, I think, has to use now, it's like so good he can't not use it, is that... He won't even need to finish the line. He'll get like 25% of the way into the line, and the audience will figure out what he's doing, and they'll cheer, and they'll, they'll do the rest of the line for him. I mean, they'll already figure it out in their head. 
So that's fantastic. Oh, all right. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So I'm going to make some local things. The fare increase for buses and max trains is now in effect. If you ride the bus or take the max, it'll cost you a little bit more from now on. And this started yesterday. The rides go 25 cents. So for adults in all zones, it is now 2.30. 2.30. Uh, for the youths, it is $1.50. And uh, for honored citizens, old people, 95 cents. All right. If you're over 40, like Gladys. Yeah. All right. Oh, Sarah missed that. You missed no, the... No, over 55. Uh, try that. You missed the... Was uh, it 2.30 for the bus? Yes. You missed the CBS harassment quiz that we took on Friday, Sarah. Was I supposed to take that? Uh, you'll probably get to think about it. Okay. Here's Tim Riley. Yeah, it might be in your email somewhere. Uh, there was a weekend fire at the Oregon State Capitol. Who knew? It sent the governor and roughly 20 members of his staff to temporary workspaces two hours away. I'll make that two blocks away. Fire officials are trying to pinpoint the exact cause of the blaze. It started on a terrace outside the governor's second-floor office suite where construction supplies and materials are stored. The area is undergoing extensive renovation. Firefighters quickly contained the blaze, but fire and water damaged several parts of the governor's office suite, including his ceremonial office. Tulane County Sheriff's deputies in the Eugene man described a suicidal exchange gunfire. And guess who won? That's right, the suicidal. <laughs> no, a deputy said the man disobeyed their orders to lay down his weapon yesterday afternoon and instead fired at him. Bad move. They returned fire hitting him. He's not dead, though. Really? He probably wishes he... Well, I guess they're bad shots in Eugene. Wait, was this like a, was this one of those attempted suicide by cop things? Yeah, and I have another uh, interesting suicide story a little bit later. If you All right. Find it. Oh, here it is. The second interesting suicide story comes to us from California. Police say a man tried to cut off his own arm at Denny's because he thought he injected air into a vein while shooting cocaine, fearing he would die unless he took drastic action. So apparently the service there was a little bit lax <laughs> if he had time to do all this stuff. Really? I mean, how long How long does it take between coffee refills? You don't know. Endless like cup of coffee. Sawing off one of his limbs. Uh, 33-year-old Michael Lassiter rushed into the Denny's and started stabbing himself in one arm with a butter knife, <laughs> which he grabbed from a table. Uh, so when the knife didn't work because all Denny's knives are dull. And also because it's a butter knife. Well, people really don't cut their food. They just inhale it there. That's where they gum their food. Uh, Lassiter took a butcher knife from the kitchen and then dug into his arm. Good for you. Lassiter told officers he thought he needed to amputate his arm to keep himself from dying from cocaine. He's been treated at a hospital for uh, severe cuts. Then he was uh, closed till they cleaned up the mess. So, let me say, so he was injecting cocaine, which I, I do. Even, I, I've never even heard th of that. Well, it's funny. I was actually yeah. having a conversation with somebody who uh, will remain nameless uh, this weekend. I was talking to, uh, this weekend to somebody who um, deals with um, a lot of folks who have substance issues. Because I was watching The Wire with my wife, and they were talking about the, they were showing a guy who was snorting heroin. And that, and you know, what with my lack of heroin knowledge, that then prompted a whole chain of questions in my head about, you know, sometimes they show people snorting heroin, and sometimes, you know, people eat heroin. Jimi Hendrix did that. And then sometimes, you know, you go to the needle, and you always hear from, you know, junkies like Dave Mustaine said this. He said that, you know, when you go to the needle, like, that's that's the worst. Like, when you, when you start, you know, snorting heroin is bad, but he's like, if you if you go to the needle, that's when you know you're hosed. And I really know that why that was. So I emailed this person I know who deals with substance abuse, and I said, and I and I said, tell me what is the deal? Why is it worse to shoot heroin than to inha you know than to snort heroin? 
And this person said that um, based on their experience dealing with folks who had uh, substance problems, that a lot of it is, um, well, first of all, I think it goes directly to your heart if you inject it, but also because for a lot of folks, the ritual becomes almost more important than the actual drug. Because, you know, that whole thing about the first time you do the drug is the best, and then you can never really recapture the same high, even though you try. And so it's all about the ritual at that point, which becomes harder and harder and harder to break. That being said, I don't, you don't really ever hear about people injecting cocaine. So that, I wonder if that's somebody who maybe misread the memo somehow. But then you hear that story about Nikki Six injecting Jack Daniels into his veins many years ago. So the guy's also not that bright, as we were saying on Friday. Another reason you don't want to do drugs because they make you a moron. Because if you inject an air bubble into your vein, first of all, that will kill you, I think. I think that causes like an airlock in your heart or something. Mm -hmm. But also, I think if you inject something into your vein, I mean, I think it's like gone. I think it's gone into your body within like five seconds. I, I think cutting off your arm, that's a little bit of closing the door after the... Uh, Closing the door after the horse has left, or after the horse has entered. Anyway, here's Tim Riley. Meanwhile, here's a heroic story about people uh, who lost arms. Uh, Cole Ortega is starting high school two-handed. A 14-year-old surfer from Bend was in the water off Pacific City when a fishing dory severed his arm, but friends retrieved it and doctors reattached it. He's been going through a lot of physical therapy, and his doctors still aren't sure if he'll completely recover. But he's going back to teenage life, still mindful of his injury, but he's going back to school as a freshman at Summit High School today. Uh, and still taking an additional ride on his mountain bike. He can't play soccer yet, but he's hoping to get in some snowboarding this winter, now that he has two arms. Well, see there, you know what it is, Tim? That's a little bit of the universe balancing itself out there. That guy gets his arm put back on, idiot at Denny's, cuts his arm off. Mm-hmm. That's a little, uh, you know, that's a water finding its own level. Penis watch. It's a little desiderata. That's what that is. Here's your penis watch for Tuesday. This comes to us from Malaysia. A Malaysian vendor. 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 Had to have a nut removed. <laughs> From around his penis. Oh. Wait, what? A Malaysian welder had to have a nut removed from around his penis after an attempt to lengthen it uh, before he gets engaged next week when embarrassingly wrong. His nut got stuck on his penis following arousal, uh, forcing him to seek help at a hospital. The staff at the hospital had to drain some blood from the penis and cut away a top layer of skin before the object could be removed. Wow. Fire and rescue departments also were involved trying to remove the nut from the unnamed welder who's in his 20s and hoped the nut would weigh down his penis to make it longer. <laughs> How did he get the franks above the beans, Tim? No, I've screwed it up. Beans above the franks. The uh, patient is now recovering, and they will discharge him at some point today. So he had to... Can you just do the headline there one more time? Malaysian man gets a nut stick around his penis. There's your penis watch, kids. Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start to melt. I love this country. I love this world. I love the internet. Look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. Alright. Let's do some of these calls. Oh, when we get back, by the way, we'll do these calls. We'll take a break. When we get back, uh, we'll tell you how you can win a pair of tickets to see Dennis Miller live at Spear Mountain Casino. He's going to be there next weekend of the 12th and 13th. Uh, we're going to be giving away tickets tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, and then next week as well. So we will begin giving away 
uh, pairs of tickets to see Dennis Miller live at Spirit Mountain Casino. We're going to do the first giveaway tomorrow. We come back, I'll tell you uh, what you need to do to win. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, Sarah, Tim. Hello, uh, hi. Back, Sarah. Hey. Thank uh, you. A couple of observations uh, on this whole Palin thing. Yeah. Um, if she got pregnant at 17, how long was it? Do you think it just happened like her first time? Uh, I'm sorry? I said if she if if the daughter got pregnant at 17, do you suppose that it, she just got knocked up on her very first trial? Well, uh, or had she maybe been doing this for a while now? Well, that's only speculation, sir, in which it I will is, not engage. I speculate, and and uh, as a you know as a staunch Democrat, I've I've switched over to the dark side because I think four years of comedic value is is really worth it. <laughs> so you think so you think what we might lose maybe in economy or world standing or stature is counterbalanced uh, by the bounty of jokes that we will have. Can you imagine Saturday night live skits? Oh man, you you know Tina Fey's already picked out her costume. You just know Absolutely, she has. I mean, you know they are already negotiating uh, for Tina Fey to come back as Sarah Palin. I'll be, I'd be I mean, I would be astounded in fact I didn't watch SNL cuz Really, why would you? But uh, I would be astounded if Tina Fey hadn't been on this last week. Does anybody know if, she, if Tina Fey came back on Saturday? I'm not sure. Too, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, and I don't even know if that show is. I don't even know if they're if they're currently doing new episodes. But it seems like they should have come back to do a Sarah Palin episode on Saturday if they didn't already. But uh, all right, no, I can see. Totally. I can I can get with you there, sir. I can grok right. what you're saying. Uh, show ever, thank you. One more. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Sure. What's up? Hey, I'm at the airport. I was going to ask Tim, when's that plane that with the with the bad landing gear supposed to land? I'm sitting here waiting for it. Hey, it's at LAX. You're at the wrong airport. Yeah, you're you're at the wrong. Unless you're in Los Angeles. You're at the wrong place or the right place. Where are you at, sir? Oh, okay. I'm just, I was just driving by. I couldn't tell which airport you were. I was, I was on Marine Drive, and I started stopping to wait and see. So I'm on the wrong airport. Yes. Yes, that is true. Okay, I'll go back to work. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Wow. Let's take a break. We'll get caught up back after this. More of Tim Riley. One of those days. Uh, still to come, uh, we have a double and a half snuff watch. Double and a half snuff watch coming up. We'll have our birth of a salesman entrant for today. Uh, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. I think we're talking to Nina Parker from TMZ. We'll do the top five. It's all very crazy. Stay there. Back after this. Sounds really, really. Uh, I loaded in some new bumps this weekend, and some of them are not. Uh, some of them are not evened out. Why, hello! It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Thank you for coming by. Uh, all right, so much to get to today. So we will continue to update on that plane that is uh, circling LAX right now. So what is the deal, Tim? It's supposed to land at 12.45? 12.45, it is uh, dumping fuel, right. as planes usually do in, in that position. So it has less fuel in it when it does land. So it has uh, apparently one of the tires is shredded, and it's uh, due to come in in moments now. I'm watching uh, a live feed from uh, Cape Town, Los Angeles. So this is a plane that I guess uh, had the problem with this landing gear. Uh, at least some, some or all of the landing gear, yeah, sort of been shredded and torn away. So it's going to... Mm -hmm. Land, and I guess, I don't know if they do a belly landing or if they do a, I don't know how they, I, I guess they must. I guess there's really no, no other option. Uh, but so the plane has dumped all the excess fuel, and they're scheduled to land it here in a few minutes. So presumably all will, all will go well, but we will, uh, we will update you if something, uh, something kind of goes sideways there. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, before we move on here, we got so much to get to. we got Lisa Desjardins is going to be joining us later on. Uh, we have our birth of a salesman entered at 1 o'clock. By the way, Richie has preemptively said, let me just read this on the screen. Richie says, 
Birth of a salesman woman at 1 p.m. Sounds like a hot chick. Should sell over the phone for us. All right. So that's at 1 o'clock, our first female entrant uh, in the Rick Emerson Birth of a Salesman uh, contest. It's coming up at 1 o'clock today. Um, later on, we'll do the top five. We're going to talk to Dan from Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, too, uh, about the world of uh, literature and so forth. And there's all of this stuff going on. Uh, a couple brief notes here before we continue with the news. So next Thursday and Friday. No, I'm sorry. Scratch that. Next Friday and Saturday, which is September 12th and 13th, Dennis Miller going to be live at Spirit Mountain Casino. Uh, live at Spirit Mountain Casino next Friday and Saturday, which is September 12th and 13th. And we're going to start giving away pairs of tickets to see Dennis Miller live uh, tomorrow. We will be giving those away tomorrow. Here is how tomorrow's Dennis Miller contest will run, and I'm going to give you a little uh, heads up about it right now. We are going to do the Rick Emerson Reverse Punchline Contest. I'm going to give you a punchline today. You must create from scratch your own original joke leading up to said punchline. We will then take your calls with these uh, jokes throughout tomorrow's show at the end of the day. Uh, the best joke, as determined and judged solely by we, the Rick Emerson cast and crew, you'll win a pair of passes to see Dennis Miller. So tomorrow... We will take your calls with uh, original jokes that you have constructed yourself leading up to this punchline. The punchline is Islamabad. The punchline is Islamabad. There you go. That is the punchline. Uh, you must now create an original joke, a joke of your own creation coming only from your own brain that leads up to the punchline Islamabad. Did you make that one? Do you no. Have a joke? No. No, I just know. My, I'm solely putting. I'm only putting the punchline out there. Uh, tomorrow we'll take your calls. Uh, best joke at the end of the day wins a pair of passes to see Dennis Miller uh, live at Spear Mountain Casino next Friday, uh, the 12th of September. Here is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Okay, so once again, that uh, plane is uh, due to land at LAX in about five minutes. So we'll keep you posted on that. All right. Authorities say a Michigan man survived after his hot air balloon plunged thousands of feet at a South Carolina festival mm. because a basket cut a tree limb ten feet before it hit the ground. The Southeast Balloon Festival officials say the pilot Chuck Waltz of uh, Michigan broke his leg and pelvis. He's undergone surgery and the recovery is promising. Oh, oh, I see. So he fell and then at the last moment was saved by the basket hitting a tree branch? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's. Mm. Oh, that'll freak you out. It was 9,000 feet in the air oh. when it deflated. <laughs> I didn't think that could happen. Mm -hmm. I thought that was. I thought that was one of those things. You know, they sort of had. You know, what do you call it? Thing, safety precautions in place to make sure that didn't take. Uh, that didn't transpire. So apparently. Jesus. The basket hit a tree branch 10 feet from the ground, oh. stopping its fall. Wow. But he fell out of the basket anyway. Boy, that's like some full-on Roadrunner uh, stuff right there. I wonder how often that guy's going to wake up over the next year imagining that he's plummeting again, only there's no branch to save him. Jesus. All right. An 18-year-old man has been booked on a murder charge after the body of his girlfriend's mother was found inside a suitcase in some woods. The body of 55-year-old Maria Rodriguez was found yesterday morning. The Houston Chronicle reported a man driving along a secluded private road discovered the body in a black suitcase in the woods. They later discovered Rodriguez had been reported missing by her husband. Uh, Gerson Funes, Rihanna, is being held in the uh, county jail in the Houston. No information is available on whether or not uh, this person has an attorney. Are you hearing a sound? That is probably from our uh, video feed. Okay. 
from yeah. uh, Los Angeles. It sounded almost like the EAS printout going back there, but it didn't look like it's that. Mm-hmm. So, all right. They're showing uh, rescue equipment uh, going into place here. All right. So the plane is scheduled to touch down here in just a few moments. Yeah, just it's like weird. They pulled everybody out of this lot that was off the nose down here, and that crash truck's now. Okay, this is from uh, KCAL 9, a CBS uh, station in Los right Angeles. Now. All right. I wonder if that means they moved. Uh, well, actually, he's over. So these are there's fire trucks now by the side of the uh, by the side of the runway. Mm-hmm. So this plane is uh, dumping its fuel. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks. That's good. Okay, so we're probably hearing are back hearing... and forth communication between the studio. And the cameraman. All right. Although they don't have a live reporter right. on the scene, so basically we're getting a we're getting a closed feet. circuit right there. Yeah. All right. So, so that's what happened. Uh, so that's what's happening. The plane is dumping its fuel. It has a uh, damaged landing gear. At least one tire we understand is shredded. Ugh. All right. So what happens in cases like this is it dumps its fuel before it uh, schedule uh, to make a landing, which is about to happen any moment. Which I guess is to reduce the chance of a fire mm-hmm. uh, or any sort of uh, I don't know any sort of explosion or, or whatever. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, they must have been doing. I mean, planes. You got to figure in 2008. Ten minutes out. It's two five right now. So we're ten minutes away. Mm-hmm. Sounds like okay. Uh, All units and the Dask uh, Corona City Fire channels. We just heard the aircraft is ten minutes out, and they have now reassigned uh, him to two five right once again. Two five right. Okay, that's a runway at LAX. All right. So basically, we're hearing a closed circuit communication between the cameraman okay. and the authorities at LAX. So we're about ten minutes out. So that would be, uh, let's see, 12.54. All right. So, uh, I don't know, probably uh, seven, eight, nine minutes. We'll sort of rejoin that feed and, and sort of give you the update on the plane uh, as it comes in. Uh, right now, there's just a, just some uh, sort of a closed-circuit conversation happening there. But I guess they moved the runway, and it sounds like they've got emergency equipment standing by. So a plane uh, with no landing gear coming into LAX. How many people on board? 150, 159? Yeah, somewhere around there. All right. So we'll give you the heads up on that sort of uh, as, as things transpire. Here's Tim Riley. Meanwhile, a Columbus, Ohio teenager who was throwing eggs at cars as part of a late-night prank has been shot. 16-year-old Garrett Burton was uh, with at least one other teenager in the backyard of her home when somebody shot him in the head at 3 o'clock in the morning for throwing eggs. The band at the high school where he is a student uh, played the school's uh, alma mater in memory of him. Another teen was killed in an egg incident in December 2006, and apparently these kids just never learned. All right. Uh, once again, we're waiting for this uh, plane to land at at, at uh, LAX. It has damaged landing gear. We're less than 10 minutes away from that happening. We'll let you know what happens. An Algonquin, Illinois waitress got the tip of a lifetime after somebody dropped $1,000 at her table. Michelle Secreto works at the Monterra Grill. She's it was been... on uh, City Fire Channel. Okay. Uh, we're hearing uh, some communication from the, uh, the airport there at LAX. Anyway, she was the... Uh, a waitress at this restaurant, and she didn't tell the manager about this afterwards. Why should she? She'll use the money to send her 12-year-old daughter, Ashley, on a trip to a scholastic trip to Washington, D.C., but not spend any on herself. That's a 1000 bucks. A new report says Amy Winehouse could be brain damaged from drugs. Oh, I got that right here. How is that possible? I, how is that possible? How is it not possible? How is it possible that it's only being speculated upon or reported now? Um... Where did you get, where is your story from? The Sun. All right. The Sun is the best newspaper in the entire world, by the way. It's sort of the European, in fact, I would say that it, I don't know if it predates the New York Post. Oh, I mean, I'm it not might. sure. You know, because the New York Post is the oldest newspaper in America, founded by Andrew Alexander Hamilton, like 17-something mm-hmm. or other. 
But the New York Post is very clearly based on British tabloids, so it's quite possible that the sun sort of pre-exists all of these. Uh, go ahead, read your story. We'll see if it has all the salient details that mine does. Shocking details of Amy Winehouse's drug use submerged late last night, including a report that she binged on crystal meth and may have brain damage after a 36-hour marijuana marathon. A marijuana marathon. All right. That seems made up. <laughs> it's a wanathon, Tim. Hosted by Jerry Lewis. The singer at 24 suffered two major overdoses with such bad convulsions that it was like a scene out of The Exorcist. By the way, now I'm just picturing Jerry Lewis doing a, doing a telephone for marijuana. Uh -huh. except, except he would just be really mellow, but I don't know. I mean, uh, the toad is really uh, down. Call, don't call. I mean, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll cure it, you know. Maybe not, but I mean, really. Can you really ever cure anything? I mean, really, um, you know, isn't just being born a, a disease? I mean, that's really kind of interesting if you think about it. I mean, you know, we're doing a telethon. Telethon's kind of an interesting word. I mean, is there, is there something? I mean, what are we really telling? What are we really, I mean, can you really tell anybody anything? I, I just don't know. Mm. Oh, by the way, before we continue with the story about Amy Winehouse being brain damaged... Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to be, here's this subject line of this email, more classy pictures of Sarah Palin's daughter, Bristol. So this is Bristol Palin. I don't even know that it's not classy. It is kind of hot in a, I don't know, trashy kind of way. It's a picture of Sarah Palin holding, a, this is hot, it's a shotgun in one hand and a revolver that looks to be like a forty-five in the other hand with some some douchey-looking guy who may or may not be the father. I, who can really tell? Uh, and he is holding also some pump-action uh, rifle in his hand. And, of course, he's got a baseball cap that is not not only backward, but sideways, and he's wearing a shirt that says Billabong. So there you go. Um, I'll, I'll put this up on the website later on. So it's another fantastic photo of Sarah Palin. All right, here's Tim Riley. All right, so what... Do you have this thing in the Amy Winehouse story? It says her body is so frail from drug use that doctors were afraid... She might break her own bones during a fit. <laughs> That's great. One more overdose will kill her. Uh, that's certainly not true. I mean, doesn't it seem like she's had 5,000 of those at this point? Do you have the story where it says, um, let's see, this, here's, here's a great story. Uh, let's see, uh, this is uh, in a sidebar article to this thing about Amy Winehouse and, and brain damage. It says, uh, this is talking about her going on a drunk binge when she ingested a deadly cocktail of cocaine, heroin, ecstasy, ketamine, and crystal meth, all at once. And then it said, what started out as a fun experience ended with her hallucinating and vomiting uncontrollably. So there you go. Amy Winehouse, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, a friend reveals Amy's first overdose in August 2007 was from cocaine, heroin, and ecstasy. Uh, Clementine, or is that ketamine? Which I think is an animal tranquilizer. And crystal meth. All right. Uh, I, don't, I know people that smoke pot all day, every day, and they're not brain damaged. Yeah, well, because because I would think you would have to smoke an insane, I mean, literally, uh, probably an amount so large that you couldn't really smoke it. Uh, I mean, whoever wrote this article seems, they're putting a lot of weight on this fact that she went on some 36-hour pot bender. Really, I would think it would be the combination of ecstasy, ketamine, heroin, and cocaine that would do that to you, but what do I know? Speaking of which, you weren't here for the Amy Winehouse worst song, were you? No, no. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I just, just a little bit, let me, this is Amy Winehouse singing with Charlotte Church, live on British television, ladies and gentlemen. See if you can spot which one is Charlotte Church and which one is Amy Winehouse. Hey! 
Oh, it's fantastic. We'll play the whole thing later on. It just gets better from there. And it's three and a half minutes. Okay, let's uh, of that. All right, do let's we... try this audio. Bring some audio up, please. Let's see what we have here with this plane landing. Is it, it landing now? It appears to be circling the airport. Do we have any audio? No. At all? I mean, you're up, but they're not sending any audio. Okay. Apparently, they're, they're showing the plane circling. So this is at LAX where there's a plane that has uh, shredded landing gear, they said. One tire. All right. I can see one tire hanging down. Ugh. I can't see the other one. It apparently, let's see, it looks like it's circling. Did they say which tire it is? Because the planes, it's like I a tricycle. It's the left one. So it's... And that's only oh, yeah, I can see it flat. So it's that left rear tire. Yeah, it's over the wing. All right. Okay, here it comes in for... It looks like it's going lower here. And we have no audio? No. Okay, here it comes. It's coming down. It's about to touch down here. Okay, it's touching down. All right, so the plane okay. is on the runway. Oh, God. Okay, it is on the runway. That appears to be staying balanced. Yeah, it does. That's amazing. I wonder... I mean, here's a dumb question. I wonder if they have that shredded landing gear down, and even though it's shredded, is that enough to just keep the plane upright? Mm-hmm. You know, it probably is grinding it down, but I wonder if just having the sort of, uh, you know, the axle or whatever, if that's enough. Okay, it appears to be slowing here. It looks like it landed safely. Okay. All right, they were having a little bit of a buffering issue with the video. Okay, let's see what else I have here. Okay, do we have any audio on this yet by any chance? No, I mean, you're, you're up on the board. If there was audio, we'd be hearing it. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't look like there was any issue there. Looks like the plane has stopped. Okay, we're looking. Okay, we see an emergency vehicle heading toward it. But judging by the position, the context of the things that's around, it looks like the plane has stopped. Mm-hmm. All right. So okay, we have an emergency vehicle going up to it now. Imagine the panic of people trying to get the hell off it the has, plane. Okay, it has stopped. I can't even imagine. I mean, you know, and you've got to wonder exactly what they tell. So just if you're joining us now, so apparently the plane has landed. Tim, it appears to be safely. safely. Okay, we have uh, two fire trucks going over to it. It didn't appear to have blown a tire when it landed. No, not at all. I mean, it, if, if you didn't tell me that something was amiss with that plane's landing gear just now at LAX, I wouldn't have guessed. I wouldn't have known. Okay, so we have two fire trucks uh, going up to it uh, slowly. So it appears to be okay so far. Uh, all right. It looks as though everything, uh, I'm imagining, I mean, I don't really know, but I'm wondering if, as I said, if the plane comes down, even though you're missing the tire on the left-hand side, mm-hmm. if just the, the metal axle part that is down there, obviously you're not going to be able to, you know. It's kind of like how you get a flat tire on a car and you can ride on the rim a yeah, little. Yeah, exactly, exactly like that. And it's, you know, and you're going to be uneven and it's probably going to grind it down to nothing. Mm-hmm. But it probably is... It probably was enough or strong enough to support the weight of the plane, and so it looks like we avoided any uh, any further issues. Okay, we have uh, the crew running up to inspect the tire here. So it looks like uh, everything's turned out okay. Do we have any audio on this yet? Yeah, uh, no, no. I mean, you're up on the board. There. Okay. Yeah, it, it, either your computer isn't processing it somehow, or perhaps KCAL just isn't sending it. Uh, Maybe they realized they were sending the behind-the-scenes audio. Well, that's the thing. Is they yeah. might have been. It sounds like they were sending a closed-circuit feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. So, by the way, we have a clarification from Thomas, the tech guy. He said the reason the planes dump fuel is that the plane is not designed to land with the full weight of the fuel and the plane. If they were to land with a full complement of fuel, they would likely break the landing gear, as the force would be more than the legs could handle. Well, that's it. But I mean, does that mean they dump fuel every time? Or do they calculate... Well, well, they would use it. Ah, that's right. They calculate the amount of fuel that they would have used on the trip, and therefore, normally, you would be 
you would be less that weight mm-hmm. when you land. All right. So it looks like things have resolved uh, have resolved without incident at LAX. Yep. All right. on the ground. All right. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, a British millionaire is believed to have shot his wife and daughter and the family's horses and dogs after burning his mansion to the ground in a suicidal frenzy. The BBC reports this happened in rural Shropshire. They're removing remains of three people from the smoldering ruins of Christopher Foster's country estate. One of the bodies has been identified as his wife, uh, who was shot in the head. They also uh, found the body of his uh, daughter, who's officially listed as missing. Video footage recovered from the mansion security system shows Christopher Foster carrying a rifle and leaving the burning stable block after apparently shooting his horses. He's also believed to have killed the family's four dogs. Ugh. An oil rig insulation magnet had recently been forced to liquidate his business and reportedly faced debts of $1.8 million. That's hard to believe that an oil company person is in trouble. And by the way, we have a further clarification just as we finish this uh, LAX story. Uh, that planes have several wheels on each side of the landing gear, usually six to nine. Uh, likely this whole problem only affected one or two of the tires, not the entire left set of landing gear. So that would actually make a lot of sense. That would explain kind of why it did seem to roll to a stop kind of without incident there. Mm-hmm. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Tim Riley on KCMD Portland. So uh, so we received clarification that damage plan has made a safe landing at LAX. Yay. You know, nobody's talking about this. All these protesters arrested at the Republican convention, somewhere around 300 of them. Officers on horseback, motorcycles, and bikes chased a group of rock and bottle throwing protesters. Well, they came there to cause trouble, of course, hiding their faces with black kerchiefs. Those are the first people they should arrest before they get to do anything. Well, I thought that, well, because isn't it, in the fact, anarchists, in, we have them here. in most of cities, is it not illegal to wear a mask in public? I mean, it's sort of an anti... I'm not sure. I think, I think it is because I think that's a law that they put into effect to stop the Klan from marching in a lot of places, mm-hmm. where there is... Uh, there is, in fact, I believe, ordinance in most cities that, that forbids the wearing of masks uh, out and about in public, except, I, and, but I think a lot of cities, it is specifically written to exclude Halloween, Mardi Gras, things like that. You can't be wearing a mask around, mm-hmm. which is the law they always use to sort of bust these folks. But I don't know if you're, you're telling Dick, Dick Liliano this, but I was, I was watching um, I was watching CNN this weekend, and um, they were do, you know, doing the thing where they're kicking in the door, some kicking in the door, some guy. Uh, and it was like him and all of his, uh, you know, license-fested roommates, and I think they were getting ready to go cause a ruckus at the, the Republican convention. And of course, all of the, you know, the hippie nitwits were saying the cops came here and we weren't going to do it. We were just minding our own business. And then they go, they go to the garage, and it's just like, you know, it's just like endless truncheons and bottles of urine that they've been stockpiling. And that did lead to the great phrase where Anderson Cooper said. And we have been told tonight that they were stockpiling urine. And I really wish I'd saved that soundbite uh, because it was fantastic. They played it twice, and I never bothered to pull it. I was too busy. Uh, I was too busy uh, making sure that I had. Uh, I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. Which I'm going to keep playing over and over again. Is by that the way. just an unfortunate soundbite, or is that how her voice sounds all the time? No, that's how her voice sounds all the time, and that's a phrase that. Uh, can I just tell you this? Between. I think probably between 8 o'clock and 11 o'clock Friday night watching CNN, I heard... I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. Not just this specific soundbite, but her actually using that phrase or variants on that phrase probably 15 times. I mean, that clearly is something that she's latched on to as a talking point whenever she's put in front of a camera, or at least it was through the weekend. So that's that. All right, so let's go back to other things now. And uh, let me see, let me close up these windows so we can do other things here. This is going to take me a minute, and of course it doesn't want to do it. Program does not respond. Should I just amuse everybody with... Uh, I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. No, I think we're ready to go here. All right. A Hurricane Gustav 
has been downgraded to a tropical depression after leaving a lot less damage in New Orleans than anticipated. New Orleans Mayor Ray Nagan tells the Today Show evacuees will be able to return to the largely deserted cities later this week. But for now, please stay away. We're in pretty decent shape, but right now we have power outages. We're still repairing. We need to repair our sewer system. The hospitals are still not ready. So today we'll spend all day repairing, assessing. It should only take a day. So uh, first, Lady Laura Bush visited the opening day of the Republican National Convention. Festivities were scaled back and only official business was conducted. But Mr. Uh, Mrs. Bush addressed, it, addressed those attending the convention who live in the area affected by Hurricane Gustav. And to each of you, each of the delegations from those Gulf Coast states, please know that our thoughts and our prayers are with you and your families and your friends who are still at home. Uh, Cindy McCain is asking Americans to help Gulf Coast victims of the hurricane. The wife of John McCain addressed a severely abbreviated opening session of the convention in St. Paul. I would ask that each one of us commit to join together to aid those in need as quickly as possible. As John has been saying for the last several days, this is a time when we take off our Republican hat and put on our American hat. And put on a fez. Let me just say, here's the interesting thing about that. They were just speaking to no one. I mean, were you watching the RNC convention yesterday? Parts of it. Uh, I mean, you were. I was. I was watching it on the, the CNN.com feed upstairs. But you know what? I, I sort of did a rough canvas of the building asking if anybody watched it. And really, there was just a... I mean, it was only the first day of it and everything. But there was, there was a whole lot of no audience there. Even there at the actual... wherever Whatever the arena is that they're holding it at. I mean, there was just almost no one in the crowd. I mean, relatively speaking. So I know that they've scaled things down. And whatnot, but it's, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see sort of how the Republicans deal with this because Gustav, I guess, the sort of worst has passed at least over, over Louisiana, but they got this other, like at least one, what groups of two other storms that are on the way. Mm -hmm. So I guess Bush may be speaking via satellite or something tonight, and I think Cheney may not be speaking at all, which is probably going to be, I mean, I would say in the grand totaling of all this, it's going to be, it's going to be to the Republicans' benefit. Because I can't imagine that anybody really wants to get up there and see George Bush speak for 90 minutes and be constantly reminded that he and McCain are like lockstep. Well, plus this is the premiere of the new 90210 tonight. That's right. I'm totally watching it. And last night was Gossip Girl, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was just fantastic. It was fabulous. I didn't it watch really it. Was. Hey, we'll talk about it. But I will say this. So we've got Gossip Girl that premiered last night, and we've got 90210, which premieres tonight. We'll talk about that. Have you heard the radio ads, though, that they're running for Gossip Girl? No. Radio. Radio Tim is one of the most effective means of advertising. You can reach more people in a short period of time. It is true. So one of the radio ads that are running for Gossip Girl is so great because it's the show that's a parent's worst nightmare. And you know, and then they have like a you know a soundbite. The magazine from... pictures and like the um, they are doing a really really good job at marketing it. And then they have a soundbite from the show of some girl going like, "I'm gonna go have sex with a hockey team," you know, or whatever. And then it's a show that USA Today called destructive to morality. And then they cut to another girl going like, I'm going to go shoot heroin into my eyeball. It's a show you might have to hide to watch. Gotcha, girl. You know, and then they just did the thing. So, I mean, they, they clearly know kind of where their bread is buttered there. Also, I will be curious to see how the new 90210 does, because 902, 90210 sort of created a lot of those, you know, cliches, because 90210 was in turn kind of a dynasty for the younger set. But it seems like we're living in a post-Gossip Girl world now, and 90210, unless they really ramp up their game, seems like they might seem a little staid by comparison. So, here's uh, Tim Riley. And Cindy, uh, I was going to call her Cindy Crawford. I mean, uh, Cindy McCain 
said there is a way to help people affected by Hurricane Gustav. We'd like to ask that you go to a website called Cause Greater or www.causegreater.com. I'm sure people are reading that. That right? will yeah, allow all, all of that. us to aid those who have been affected by Hurricane Gustav. Yeah. Okay. Whatever, lady. All right. Hey, uh, Richie Bristol, can we obtain the uh, the next uh, entrant in the birth of a salesman uh, contest? Uh, and then if you want to uh, if you want to bring in her sheet uh, for me, because I, I don't have that in front of me. All right. It's 503-733-2970 on KCMD Portland. We'll talk to our next entrant in the AM970 birth of a salesman contest. Just one moment. Uh, later on, we'll talk to uh, Lisa Desjardins. Nina Parker from TMZ.com uh, is going to be with us later on. Dan from Powell's Books. More from Tim Riley here in just a moment. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. Hi. Hey, you must miss out that the shield's on tonight, too. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me, a little something in my throat. Um, yeah, we mentioned that at the at the top of the show, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it later. I mean, here's I, I'm sort of... I'm sort of split, though, on this new uh, season of The Shield because I know there's already some advanced reviews of it up, and I've just been very studiously trying not to wa uh, to read them, to look at them, because I want to know anything about it. And I made the mistake of reading something on Ain't It Cool the other day where the guy, and I, I know he thought he was being sort of circumspect, but he said, well, I can tell you this, by the end of the first three episodes of this season, it's very apparent that Vic Mackey, and I was like, oh, no, you know, just trying to close it so that I was sort of not spoiled. But, man, uh, i got to tell you, I almost don't even want to think about tonight's Shield premiere too much because we're heading into the seventh and final season. And I got to say, a couple of minor missteps notwithstanding, that show has held itself together and held the plot line together and the story and the characters and the tension better than maybe any show I've ever seen. I mean, it's they've 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 made very few missteps, and I think everybody's just sort of holding their breath and hoping that they don't somehow f it up in this final season. I, I think it's going to be very, very sad once that final episode comes on. I'm going to have a hole in my heart. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's, it's a great show. It really is. And I was talking to somebody. I was talking to a, f a friend of mine named uh, Elisa, who's a big fan of both The Shield and The Wire. And we were talking about The Wire and how I, you know, I was making the point that The Wire never really had a bad season. The Wire was good top to bottom, front to back, all the way through. And she made the point that The Wire did have kind of standalone seasons, though, sort of separate story arcs. And there was one about the Barksdales and one about the school and one about the guys at the docks, whereas The Shield is one long story from beginning to end, seven seasons. And it is, you know, it is sort of the, the, the rise and fall or maybe the fall and rise and rebirth of Vic Mackey. And if they can sort of see it through all the way to the end and keep the shield at the same quality all the way through the end of the season, I mean, it may be one of the best single stories ever told on TV. That's totally agreed. You think he's going to go down, or you think uh, he's going to make it out of it? God, I don't know. And uh, keep in mind, I don't, I don't have any spoilers. I don't know anything about anything. I don't know anything about how the season's going to go. But I do know that Sean Ryan, who is the creator and the showrunner for the shield, has said he said that Vic Mackey will get. I think he said he'll get what he deserves, is what he said. But I mean, but who even knows what that means? Because he's such a morally ambiguous character. Could mean death, could mean jail time, could mean retirement, could mean happiness. I, it, it, if I had to lay Vegas odds right now, I would have no way to do that. I have no idea how it's going to unfold, which is the best way, really, to go into into the end of a series, right, where you got no idea what's going to happen. Exactly. All right. Anyways, I'm looking forward to it. It's like Christmas tonight. Thank you, sir. All right, All right. Thank you, my friend. The Shield tonight, 10 o'clock, FX. Don't even get me started on Mad Men from this Sunday. Oh, all right. That was a good show, wasn't it? Uh, dude, it, I mean, I got all kinds of emails. I came in on the Monday, and I had like four, five, six, seven emails. People sending me paragraphs about Sunday's episode of Mad Men. 
I mean, this is, there really is. It's not like everything on television is great right now. Uh, but, I mean, this is just a, just list them off as they come to mind. We got uh, The Shield, which is coming back. We got Mad Men. We got Battlestar, which is coming back. You guys are into you guys, you guys are into The Gossip Girl and all, which I suppose is Todd Rebrip, perhaps well-done entertainment. You betcha. Um, I mean, I was watching, uh, you know, catch, catching up on my Mythbusters last night, watching that Moon Landing episode. I mean, it really is a great time to be a television watcher. And I know that sounds small and trite to some people, but those people can, uh, those people can choke on one because there's nothing wrong with good television. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show uh, the next entrant in Rick Emerson's Birth of a Salesman competition. This is Carly. Hello, Carly. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic. All right, I'm going to read the uh, entrance, uh, the uh, your uh, entry here. And so that the way we've been rolling this is we had people give an entry of 100 words or less talking about why they want to be the next AM970 salesperson. When talking to 10 on the phone, we'll bring five into the studio where you will be mercilessly grilled. And then three entrants. Uh, we'll get 15 minutes in a room with General Sales Manager Michael Fashana. Perhaps one of you will walk away uh, with a job. Carly's entry reads thusly. I was six years old and planning my first lemonade stand. No card table or mercy sales for me. My vision was spectacular. First things first, hiring, advertising, menu planning, and the perfect name, Carly's Snack Shack, was born. I decided on three lemonade flavors and homemade cookies served on cute little napkins to class it up. Signs were posted, such as, one mile till Carly's Snack Shack. I hired a human sign, three other employees, and my brother. My plan worked perfectly. When the day was through, my little snack shack made over $200. That was the day this salesman was born. You were six years old? Oh, yes. I've always just been a little money grubber. Good for you. Nothing wrong with that. We are proudly capitalistic society, Carly. And I like the word grubber, too. You know what? There's nothing wrong with uh, hungering for money, is there, Tim? Absolutely not. You know, that's what separates us from the communists, Carly. Well, just as long as Tim approves, then I'm, I'm feeling good about no. it. All right. So, uh, well, well, let me ask you this. What do you, uh, and you don't have to identify the company if you don't want to, what kind of work are you doing right now, Carly? Um, right now I'm doing boring office work. All right. And so I won't identify the company. What is the, what is the last kind of sales job, if any, that you held? Um, the last one was selling like, upscale jewelry to cruise ship passengers up in Alaska. Really? <laughs> Yes. So here's a dumb question. Were you in Alaska and then they would sort of come to port or to dock or whatever, or were you on the ship? No, southeast Alaska is, I I was in Juneau, and so you have 4,000 people rolling through Juneau off of numerous ships, and it's just a large parade of tourists, and why they come up to Alaska to buy $5,000 rings is anybody's, you know, question. Now, were were you able to support yourself doing that? Yes, I was. Let me ask you this. This is off topic. Is it true that if you live in Alaska, you get some kind of, I don't know, like a check or a stipend or something you from the government it, that is basically it, just like a, thanks for living in Alaska. We know it sucks. Well, oh, oh it doesn't suck. But please don't judge us by Palin. Uh, but I'm just, I, I'm sort of. I refuse to be related to that. But, but no, you do. It's called the dividend. It comes out every year. Started in 1980. So, and it's from the oil revenue. So this year, uh, I'm not getting it because I don't live there anymore. Bastards. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think it's $3,300, actually. Jeez. How would you, which, by the way, goes a long way toward uh, explaining Palin's 85% approval rating, because I guess typically it's like 1600 and this year it's like double that or something. Uh, if you were to describe AM970 uh, to a prospective client in no more than two sentences, how would you do so? Um, that it... Uh, it it unites Portland 
with its diverse message and manages to amuse even those that it doesn't unite. Hey, look at you and a good play on words at that. Well done. All right. Woohoo! How would you? So let's say you're talking to a client and the client says, uh, "Well, uh, I don't know. There's all these different ways to advertise. I'm just, I'm not sure about radio. Why should radio be the recipient of my advertising budget?" You respond how, Carly? Radio manages to molest even those in their cars as they're driving down the road, and it's it's. Walking into stores, it's playing. It's something that's that you're stuck listening to, even if you don't want to listen to it. It manages to molest. <laughs> All right, uh, maybe I, I might uh, I might excise I, that word from my vocabulary. Maybe moving I forward, I probably would as well. Maybe just go to grope or uh, perhaps assault. A nice little feel. What is the last time in your personal life, by which I mean not your sales life, not your work life, what is the last time in your non-work life that you had to use your powers of persuasion to get your way or to accomplish something? Oh, every day. I'm married. <laughs> and right. very happily. All right. So you have to persuade all the time to make it seem like it's his idea when it's really it's mine. All right. And so what is an example of a time that you've done that? Uh, just recently, just going up to Alaska. So, yeah, I wanted to go up there and go to the fair and do all the Alaskan-y things. Mm -hmm. And so just convincing that it was just something that would be good for us and getting away and having a break while really it's dragging him around and being immersed in my childhood and meeting all of my high school friends. So, All right. Can, uh, finish this sentence for me, Carly. If AM 970, not just this program, but if AM 970 were a television show, it would be blank. I think that 70s show. How so? I, you're a little Kelso-ish. Okay, fair enough. I'm a little distracted by, by shiny objects. I think that everybody could probably fall into, I don't know who would be the Fez, but... All right, fair enough. And finally, Carly, what is your favorite Madonna song? Oh, like a Virgin. Really? I, that's just, it's it's... Now is this never, a never never go out of style? Is this a default choice? Is this the first one that came to mind, or is it honestly a song you prefer among it's, others? It's one that I I actually have on my iPod. All right. So excellent. I'm not a huge Madonna fan anymore, but that one you you I have to sing to it when it's in my car or right. when it's playing in my car, and no one can hear me. All right, Carly, thank you so much. I'm going to put you on hold. We'll make sure Richie has your contact info, and uh, we will be in touch one way or the other. They say thank you for entering the birth of a salesman competition, Carly. Have a good day. Thank you. All right, can we make sure that we've got the, all of Carly's content? If I haven't don't... heard any of you. How many people have you? Please don't hit on her. Pardon me? I haven't heard. How many people have you interviewed? Four last week. I think she's the fifth. Oh, this is the first um, one I heard. She sounded great. Yeah, no, we had to, and we had some really, really good folks last week, too. I mean, it's, we got to narrow it down to five who are going to come into the studio and be sort of, you know, kind of interrogated further here in person. And then we're going to have three uh, who end up talking to Michael Fashanova. It's going to be tricky to come up with the five. got to tell you that. All right, we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins here in just a few. This is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, whatever happened to the good old-fashioned bank robber getaway car? Well, I guess the high price of gasoline has taken its toll on that. The latest bank robber used a TriMet bus to escape. It happened this morning. A man robbed the U.S. bank branch at Southwest 6th Avenue and Southwest Washington around 10 o'clock. So he hopped aboard TriMet and headed toward Northwest. Police pulled over the bus at the intersection of Northwest 4th and Northwest Everett. Didn't get too far. I took the man off at gunpoint. It was not clear how they tracked the man and the bus down. Well, because first of all, my question would be, did he pay, and I don't mean this glibly, did he pay his fare? He must have, otherwise they would have kicked him off. Well, that, but see, that's my thing. Like, do you figure if you rob a bank, 
See, you say he must have, but that I think is almost giving the criminal mind maybe too much already, credit. Maybe he had a pass already. <gasps> there you go. And a ticket. I always carry mine with me. That is the way. I'm not, not that trying, I rob banks. No, and of course, and we're not trying to tell people how to rob banks more effectively, but that's the thing. If you're going to try, which is maybe not the dumbest idea on earth, because you figure if you're on public transit, you, transit, you can blend into the sea of humanity. Right, and, and you don't you leave a CO footprint, as Al Gore would say. <laughs> it's, the, it's the green way to get some green. Yes. Um, but, you know, you have your bus pass that way. That way, the bus driver himself isn't going to call you in as a guy who just hopped on board and refused to pay, because mm-hmm. that's going to be an easy way to get yourself popped. That would be sort of the public transportation version of being the guy with a burned-out taillight, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you go. Anyway, that didn't work out regardless. So uh, let's get back to uh, Miss Palin again, Sarah Palin and her 17-year-old daughter, Bristol, and the 18-year-old father, Levi Johnston. Senior McCain advisor Nicole Wallace says the media's investigation into this uh, young girl's pregnancy is uh, very, very inappropriate. are investigating the private lives, not just of Governor Palin, but of oh. her children. Why don't you eat me? Children with a fervor the likes of which I haven't seen since Princess Diana died in a car crash. You know, how do you compare that with that? You know, uh, you know here's, here's why that bugs me. Uh, because I already got, I got an email from somebody early on today. They're, they're forced to put together... Uh, some spin without any thought put behind it. Oh, man, have you seen that guy? What is his name? I, 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 Tucker Downing? Oh, yeah, I always think they're talking to, to, to uh, Tucker Carlson, but it's a new Tucker that doesn't wear a bow tie. You know, and he doesn't answer any <laughs> questions at all. No, um, and uh, Tucker. I barely knew her. And it's a mark of how bland he is, by the way, that I can't even remember what his last name is. Tucker Bountiful? Bounty? Something like that. Bounder? Yeah. Something. But he's some guy that the Republicans roll out, and it's like he's so bad... I don't mean it's bad because I mean he's just because he's saying things that are lies. I mean they all say things that are lies. But his answers have nothing at all to do with with, with the subject at all. No, he's, he's... about you know uh, a corn in the Midwest <laughs> when asked to comment on teenage pregnancy. Uh, he's just terrible at his job, which is the only. So I haven't so even bothered him to... three or four times, and they get some bland answer. I, I haven't even bothered to learn his last name Come because on. well that yeah because he's never going to be brought back for another campaign. Um, and I think I mentioned this earlier. I don't know if you were in the room. Did you see that thing that Carville was doing where he was holding up the picture of the city hall from the place where Palin was mayor? No. Oh, man, it's fantastic. Richie, is that uh, – can we check the warm line there? All right, thank you. Um, but Carville did the best thing on Larry King last night because they were talking about Palin's qualifications, and they keep mouthing this line where, you know, she's the only buddy on either of the tickets that has executive experience. And executive experience, I mean, technically speaking, she does because, you know, mayor and then governor. But, I mean, you know, I, I don't really know that it means, uh, I don't really know it means anything to a tree, as my mom used to say. But Carville has this great thing where he, he said, Larry, I, I want you to see uh, the place where she had executive experience as a mayor. And then he holds up a picture of the city hall in, like, Wasilla or whatever, which is a town of 7,000 people. I mean, and it looked like a tiny little bail bondsman shop. I mean, it was minuscule. And Carlin, uh, Carville says this thing about, you know, this looks like a bake shop in Louisiana, Larry. Uh, this is a great oh, little I thing. Found it. So Carville is good at his job. This Tucker nitwit that they keep rolling out on Larry King. Yeah, right there. The Wasilla City Hall. Uh, doesn't it look like, an, like it's in a strip mall? It looks like kind of a bank or an optometrist shop. It looks like you ought to see one of those dancing foam rubber dollar bill guys up front going, cast your paychecks. That's exactly what it looks like. That is tiny, tiny. Uh, but this Tucker guy is terrible. Uh, anyway, so he was coming on and sort of mouthing all of this business about her having a lot of executive experience. But um, anyway, I'll read this email that we got. There's some d- d- listener who's disgruntled 
uh, with us about how the, the way we're talking about the Palin thing. And normally, I just let those emails, like, roll off my back. But I'll read this one later on because it's sort of interesting. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from uh, Minneapolis slash St. Paul. <laughs> Trying to obfuscate things at the outset, Lisa Desjardins. Hello. Hi. You know, it's, it's St. Paul. Little chip on his shoulder. It's St. Paul. So it is St. Paul, but it is, it is remote. St. Paul. Uh, and so here's the thing about about it. So it is St. Paul, but they say Minneapolis. And you would think that if you were St. Paul at this point, you would be trying to stand alone, to stand proud, to really be your own city. Yeah. You know, maybe they should have a like secession mo- movement of some sort, even though they are independent cities. Maybe they need to. Uh, they've got a lot of fencing here this week. Maybe they can repurpose it, as yeah. people like to say. The repurpose a verb I, I question, but I'm using. All right. So I I don't even know where to begin. Um, right. I, you, I, I saw you were just talking about the Campbell Brown interview. Uh, perhaps. Uh, which which interview is that? I've, over the last three days, I have lost... I've lost track of, of of every interview, everything. It's just become one huge wash of information. It's crazy. It's craziness, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm going to let you kind of steer the ship for now. I know you're at the convention, oh. but let's talk Let's talk Sarah Palin and all of the stuff that's going on. It's not just Sarah Palin and her daughter. It's Sarah Palin and this business of her retaining a lawyer because of these sort of, not corruption, but this misuse of power allegation that's dogging her up there. It's the experience question. It's how well was she vetted. So I'm going to say, Sarah Palin, I'm going to let you take it, kind of run with it. Okay, all right. Do we have Sarah Palin? Right. The, I think, the, to me, the biggest overarching issue, I think long-term issue that we know she's going to face is the experience question. So we'll put that aside because that, that, that is going to be there, and she has to really step up to the plate deal with Iraq, be able to answer questions about complicated foreign policy, uh, that issue is, is, is going to remain. And I can get into what the Republican counterpoints are, but on the other issues, on the investigation in Alaska, honestly, you know, I think that reporters are we're looking into this, but this is not one of those investigations where everybody smells blood. You know, where Bob Ney, congressman, very close with, uh, Jack Abramoff, everyone kind of smelled blood. Everyone right. thought, oh, some, this, is, this isn't going to turn out well. This one people don't know. They're, they're, the deal is that, and you probably had all this out there, the deal is, of course, her, uh, her sister's former husband was a state trooper. The question is, did Sarah Palin use her office as governor to try and get him fired uh, to help her sister in the custody battle? And, you know, the, the, she did later on, Sarah Palin did fire the state chief of police some say because he wouldn't fire that trooper. Now, that state chief of police says, no, Sarah Palin never talked to me about the trooper. He, she never tried to influence me. But someone from her office did. And the question is, did, did this person who was working for Sarah Palin, did, did Sarah Palin direct him to do that? Or is she involved at all? It, we, we don't know. She says no. And the, you have to assume that the McCain campaign was satisfied with whatever evidence she could give them and you have to hope that they did their own investigation here uh, to determine that they thought she would be cleared, because it's a big risk uh, picking a vice president who is under an ethics invi- investigation. So that then yeah. leads to, to this question, and maybe you can speak to this, maybe you can't. Okay. How much did McCain's staff know about his considering of her beforehand, and how much vetting did they do before he just unilaterally made the choice? You know, they are insisting that they did a lot of vetting, but the truth is we don't know. This, this is what they have told us specifically, that Sarah Palin answered a 70-question uh, survey with intrusive questions. And they keep saying she answered 70 intrusive questions, 
the few questions they've given us as examples are things like, have you ever paid for sex? Has anyone ever sexually harassed you? Have right. You ever, you know, that kind of thing. She did that. She had a three-hour interview with John McCain, the head of John McCain's uh, vice presidential search team, who is a very well-known Washington lawyer, a heavyweight in the business, essentially. He's, he, and, you know, he's been the vice presidential. He's headed the search team for many a Republican at this point. Three-hour interview there. Now, that's about all we know. The McCain campaign says otherwise, that they have done significant research, that they've spent weeks and weeks uh, looking into this woman's life and experience, and that they knew before she told them that her daughter was pregnant, that they knew about this ethics investigation, which, of course, everybody did know because it's been in the papers since June. But they say they knew about Bristol Palin, uh, but that Sarah Palin came forward with that uh, before she knew uh, that the McCain camp was already onto it. So, you know, but we don't know. It, it does feel like there are some missing pieces here, potentially, especially because we know the John McCain campaign has now sent about a dozen staffers to Alaska. They say that's part of uh-huh. you know, dealing with the. We've got a vice presidential candidate from that state. You know, this is there's going to be press up there. We need people up there to handle it. But you know, they got there after many. I I know more than a dozen investigative journalists went up there to follow these stories. So it 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 does feel like. There is some nervousness it, in the King camp. You know, and I got to tell you, I don't, I, I know we got bigger fish to fry today, so I, I don't want to dwell too much on this whole, all of these, the internet rumors that sort of exploded over the weekend. Um, but it is, it's almost like when you're watching the guy do the, uh, do the shell game in the back alley for five dollars, and you're, he's moving the shells around, and you're trying to watch the ball as it goes from one shell to another. You're trying to watch the three card Monty, <laughs> and this, this business of this rumor that went around this weekend, which is apparently unfounded, that the Youngest baby Trig is not the daughter's, or, or was not Sarah Palin's, but was the daughter's, and Sarah Palin sort of pretended that it was hers to save the daughter from scandal. That that comes literally right as the daughter is actually pregnant, which the McCain camp then proactively released. I mean, I look at it and it's just like my eyes start to cross because I can't read those tea leaves enough to figure out if there's any significance to any of the timing of any of that. I think what's happened here is now what we have is kind of a hodgepodge of things, and and there there are enough things that it kind it, it adds up to a question mark maybe for some people. It's not that any one of these things uh, has changed a lot of people's minds one way or the other, but but it kind of changes the tone of introducing Sarah Palin dramatically. You know, last week she was really like a bright, shiny new crusader for justice and reform, uh, amazing example of the American success story. That is still part of this. this. That is what you're going to hear from Republicans, and that, that is all still there. But now you've got kind of these little sort of Monet-type dots that have all added up into a bit of a blur mm. on, on top of it, and, and people aren't quite sure what to make. I don't know how long this stuff is going to last. I don't know how long, uh, you know, the, the new grandbaby is going to last. I don't know how long. The, the investigation right now, one thing that's happening is uh, – we, the report is supposed to be done by the end of October, which, of course, is a very precarious date for John McCain, four days before the election. Uh, and ABC is reporting that, that the head of that investigative committee, the outside counsel who's been appointed to handle it, believes that he says he's under some pressure. Uh, to get it done after it, the election. Is it safe to say... Now, we haven't... We haven't con- that's ABC's reporting, so I don't know. Is it safe to say that however much pressure uh, there was going to be on Sarah Palin in terms of the speech she's giving tomorrow night, however much pressure there was before, that it's 300% that now? Oh, 
no question about it, though, she, she kind of seems like, and I, I know as much as you do about her, but she seems like someone who maybe rises to that kind of pressure. I also think sometimes when you have this situation, in a way, uh, maybe it's the expectation game is working in her favor right now. Friday, she was, you know, the hero of the Republican world and uh, maybe was being built up into a position where she was going to disappoint. Now she's going to be a survivor. She's surviving all of these accusations. Uh, she's going to be able to, you know, get past it, you know, put the country first. I, I think there's a, there's a way that Republicans can very well spin this speech, uh, even if it is not a phenomenal. If it's a good speech, a solid speech, they can still say, look at all she's been through in the last week, and she was able to accomplish this. So I think in the end, uh, it, it may work out right now for her, but I think the long term, we, we still don't know. It could go either way. Um, so I, but before we go any further, I'm going to let you tell me how much time you have. If you got to go, if you can hang, I don't know what your I don't know what your deal is right now. I, I have unlimited time for you, literally. I, I can stay here for another hour and talk. God bless you. Well, let's do. We'll do a couple of things here uh, before we wrap it up. But just as a side note, it, I'll be curious to see sort of how. I mean, I know James Dobson already came out and said that uh, about the, the choice of Sarah Palin. He said, I'd pull that lever that the evangelical community, in his opinion, was behind her, which is sort of interesting only because, and this is merely my editorial observation, that the evangelical or ultra-religious community in this country does seem to be, uh, how do we put it, not necessarily in lockstep with the feminist movement. And it is interesting that you've got a woman who is a mother of five, including a kid with special needs, now a grandmother, and she's, you know, trying to, she's jockeying for the second most important position in the world, which means she's not really going to be at home to raise those kids. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they sort of thread the needle of career woman and mother all at once. But, well, I mean, you know the answer to that is already out there. And, in fact, uh, Candy Crowley said an email internally about this. Uh, and I think, I think you hear this especially from a lot of women, but Republicans are putting this out there, too. If, if Barack Obama had five children, including a special needs four-month-old baby, would would people be saying that he's not qualified to be vice? Or would people be concerned about the welfare of the family? Uh, maybe, except Probably not. Uh, I well, I'm not a big feminist, but I think it's a legitimate. I think it's. I think that's right. I think it's. I think it's a legitimate issue to bring up about Sarah Palin, though, because so much of her support comes from a community that does believe that the mom ought to be at home raising the kids. They just do. But you know, here's but it's an this is an interesting test for the conservative community because the conservative community right now, part of the conservative community, you can say is evolving, you can say they're splitting, but but there there are conservatives, fundamentalist Christians, who now care as much about the environment as abortion. You know, they're they're not the majority, but but that's a growing group. There there are more and more fundamentalist Christians and you know, Christian conservatives, any kind of conservatives who say, yeah, you know, a woman should be out there on the job if she, and have kids if she wants. And it's kind of this, um, you know, and I don't know if that's the direction that conservatives are altogether going to head in, but I think I think that is where the growth is right now. That's yeah. where the, cha the change is happening. Again, not the majority, but I think that uh, Sarah Palin speaks to that, and that's, that's I think, something that's, that's working for her. Just like, you know, you can't, I, I'm going to start calling it the Molly Ringwald effect. You, you cannot neglect the fact that this year, she, she became a candidate for vice president with a pregnant teenage daughter the very year that pregnant teens were like the big plot line right. on TV. Yep, it's I mean, true. Like, you know, gee, she lucked out. I mean, it was like as if she had like a gay son the year Willie and Grace debuted. <laughs> 
Um, it's incredible. Just, this whole election cycle is like a magic eye painting. It's like if I let myself unfocus for even a moment, it all becomes a blur. But uh, <laughs> let's let's jump ahead the night a little bit. So I know that they've had to sort of curtail, truncate, abbreviate events because of uh, because of the weather and the, yeah. everything. But what is the deal? Is so uh, W so but the Bush is speaking tonight via yes. satellite. Yes, giant screen into the convention hall. So yeah. it's almost perfect for the Republicans. He'll be there, and he won't be there. <laughs> there really is. A, that's the ideal situation. Um, I don't. E- I don't even uh, know where else to go. Is it true that they dropped Giuliani from the whole thing? No, no. They dropped him from tonight's lineup, but uh, they're rescheduling for some other time this week. Maybe we're not sure tomorrow or Thursday. They're sort of, you know, they had all these themes, and Democrats do this too. They have a theme for each night, and and the truth is, not everybody sticks to the theme, and right. they're always kind of icky, and it's just. Uh, um, okay, but yeah, so he, they're retooling the themes for the other night, and they're, they're moving him. But also tonight, Fred Thompson and Joe Lieberman. Uh, just a, just a handful of other things. Um, first of all, just just to recap a little bit of, of last week, it's interesting. You know, that, that I I know that there, I know that that last night sort of, uh, you know, that the tepid tone of the thing last night was because again they had to curtail a lot of the events because of the weather. It is interesting though when you look at the actual venue for the Republican convention versus the Democratic convention. The Democrats, I think, did a really savvy thing by moving. By making the last night of their convention, Obama's night, at Mile High Stadium, this huge, massive, elaborate, almost like Parthenon-looking set, that is the last image everybody has of the Democratic convention. Now you go to the Republican convention, which, you got to say, looks real dull by comparison. (laughs) I mean, it really does. Um, And just one final question about last week before we sort of move on. It's a much simpler set, and maybe that's what they were going for. It is a much simpler set. Maybe. Maybe they're trying to do a less is more kind of a thing, but I think it's sort of a less is dull. It feels that way when you look at it, but I I don't know how successful it'll be or not on TV, but it's... (laughs) It feels like that's what they're going for. Less is more. Just one little uh, Monday morning or Tuesday morning quarterbacking thing. Uh, leading up to the Democratic convention, we heard all the stuff about uh, Ill- uh, about uh, uh, Florida and Michigan uh, sort of getting the fuzzy end of the lollipop because they disregarded all of these rules in the primaries. And yet it didn't really look like that happened. No. didn't happen at all. Of course it didn't happen. So uh, it does make you wonder if the rules are going to be continually flouted in the future since there apparently is no repercussion. Uh, you know, no rules. I don't I don't know that they'll be flouted, but I guarantee they will constantly change. Right. Every year that they will change them every four years, which is what they've done for the last 20 decades. They change them every four years to deal with the problem from four years ago. And in doing so, they almost always create new problems. For the for the upcoming election. Um, final thing here before we break. This is from the Washington or before we we wrap this up. Final thing from the Washington Post. To my friend uh, Chris Sneeden of OnTheVig.com said this to me. I'm quoting now. Rick Davis, campaign manager for John McCain's presidential bid, insists that the presidential race will be decided more over personalities than issues. During an interview with Post this morning, quote. This election is not about issues, says Rick Davis. This election is about a composite view of what people take away from these candidates, end quote. So, what do you think? There you go. I mean, well, I mean, look, you know me that I, I have either a realistic or jaundiced view of this, depending on, on how you look at it. And I think that's always the case. Unless you hew to the extreme left or the extreme right, it is always about personality. And it's always about looking at a person's persona in toto. And then, you know, making your your gut instinct, you know, your call based on that. Uh, so. I wonder if you can only lose voters on issues. I'm not sure you can gain them. You know, I was talking to a bunch of uh, St. Paul firefighters this morning who were in the grill. Mm-hmm. And almost most of them, four out of five, were still kind of undecided. And they were talking about, you know, they, they were just talking about character issues and personality and, you know, this and that. 
And I said, well, you know, you guys should go on their websites and, and look. I can't believe I was saying this, but I was. You guys should go on their websites and look at their competing tax policies because, honestly, that is where you will see a very serious right. divide in their philosophies, and it will affect your lives. You need to decide what you want. And they kind of were just looking at me like, uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like, I mean, these, these were smart guys, but, you know, I know they were all like, man, I don't want to go on the Internet and read somebody. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, you, you at the end of the day, everybody makes it. You go into the, the you know, the, the ballot booth and you make your gut instinct. It is a really dramatic and important legitimate policy debate, but that's not what people are voting on. Uh, all right. Um, maybe, maybe we can change it, Rick. We yes. We talk policy from now on. As banded together, we can make the world a better place, Lisa. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Uh, do we have you at the same time tomorrow? Am I so lucky? If you put in the request. All right. We will. We will do so. Thank you for. Uh, thank you for sort of blocking out some time. I know it's a crazy yeah, day for you. Credit to Tyler. Credit to the CNN Radio family. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon, Lisa. Okay. Great. All right. Thank you. Ugh. All right. Too many things happening. Meanwhile, officials of the Alaskan Independent Party say Palin was. So independent, she was once a member of their party, which since the 1970s has been pushing for a legal vote for Alaskans to decide whether or not residents of that state can secede from the U.S. That's good. She's not crazy, Tim. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, by the way, uh, have you, and you probably have, Tim, have you gone to, uh, oh, there's a great website. Uh, it's ObamaTaxCut.com. Have you gone there? I have not. It's yet. fascinating. You go to ObamaTaxCut.com, and I don't know about the transparency of the site. In other words, I have only the site's word that they're, use, they're, that they're creating these figures using publicly accessible platforms, tax proposals, etc. But apparently the deal is it's ObamaTaxCut.com. I guess you go there, you put in your filing status, dependents, all that, uh, your, you know, your, and your, your, your gross income, and it tells you what your taxes would be under both Obama and McCain. Oh, my God. I can't vouch for the, you know, and I'm no, I'm no Democrat any more than I am a Republican, but I can't vouch for the accuracy of it. ObamaTaxCut? ObamaTaxCut.com. Cut. So this is cutting your taxes for the year? It is well. It is what it is. It is what yeah, your increase or your uh, increase or decrease would be under Obama oh, I and see. McCain. What's your family's phones? Yeah. So I mean, you know, so I'm just at, at your leisure. You may want to take a look at that. It's just an, I was talking to Fat Boy about it. I can't. I don't. I can't vouch whether it's accurate or not. Okay. But it's an interesting thing to ponder. Um, all right. Let's do a couple more here, Tim, and then we'll break. We'll come back. We'll do more news, and then we'll talk to Nina Parker from TMZ. Oh, is that so? Oh, I was just looking. Really? Is it good news or bad, Tim? Well, depending on who you vote for. Yes. Well, is it the same for everyone who enters numbers? I I don't really know. Well, I think it's you know I think it is based upon again the variables. Okay. You know how you're filing. You know what you're uh, what you're taking, what you're taking home, etc. So again, I did. You know your mileage may vary. I'm not going to tell you it's accurate, but Fatboy and I were talking. It's kind of an interesting website. Uh, let's do a few more, and we'll take a break. Well, this is the day that all the kids go back to school. And uh, State Education Commissioner Alice Segrin of Minnesota says, make sure you get, uh, make sure you have your teenagers sleep at least six or seven hours a day. They seem to be able to exist on less sleep than us, but it's important. Their bodies are still growing uh, and changing so much that it is important to have that. That's even pregnant teenagers. Mm-hmm. Plenty of sleep. Uh, Joe Lieberman will speak tonight at the Republican National Convention. He is an independent, by the way. He was the running mate on the Democratic ticket in 2000 with Al Gore. And, uh, well, he's uh, backing John McCain because he thinks he's the best person. The Congress and Washington are frozen by hyper-partisanship and special interest influence, and there's dangers around the world. And John McCain is a maverick, is a reformer, and, of course, in terms of the rest of the world, is ready to be commander-in-chief on day one. You know, isn't it interesting? You look back and you you can't even really remember that Lieberman was running with Gore. I just sort of forget that yeah. all the time. 
You know, you think, you, like when you talk about the, the 2000 election, you remember that Al Gore was running, and Lieberman sort of falls out of your head. He makes so little impact. Yeah. Yeah. No, one bumper stickers to be found anywhere. No, no, they've got a different kind of momentum this year, Tim. I guess they do. All right. Uh, what are you going to discuss and what not discuss tonight, Joe? I'm not going to spend my, any time tonight <laughs> attacking Senator Obama. I'm going to talk really to the people in the hall, but I hope to independents okay. and Democrats out across America about why as an, I, as an independent Democrat, am voting for John McCain, and I hope they will, too. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, let me just, uh, I'll let you guys tell me. Should I read this email from somebody who was, uh, who was torqued off at us about something I said about, uh, Palin earlier? Yes. Why don't we do that on the other side? Because that right, might spark another. Hey, there you go. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a break. It's 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, we return around the corner. More from Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, Nina Parker from TMZ. Uh, with some news about Bristol Palin's Baby Daddy. Uh, later on, we'll talk to uh, Dan from Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. Top five. All that say there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Here's Pulp. All right, then. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into newsicality. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 2970 I believe we've been here for three hours already today. I mean, I feel like the last few weeks the show has been exceptionally productive. I feel like today we've gotten to a lot, but today, man, it's like the trench is just filling up faster than we can dig it out today. Jesus. All right, we're going to uh, rejoin Tim Riley in just a moment. Nina Parker from TMZ.com. I thought to her uh, about all this uh, the business of Sarah Palin and Bristol Palin and Trig Palin and whatever. On a pale... No, I was going to do like a pale horse. Like every pale, time I Google her name, something else pops up. It's because, it's like I said, we can't even, can't even keep track of it. I'm turning into Woody Allen. I'm trying to do the news, and I just I don't, I don't know. I just... Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, we're talking to Dan from Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. He's going to pop in later on. We'll talk. We'll take a breath, and we'll uh, discuss the joys of the printed page. Later on, we'll do the uh, top five and all that. Uh, let me just read this. Oh, well, you know, really quick about what Lisa was saying about Obama and how, like, if he had five kids and stuff, I was no. doing this. And Sarah Palin is saying how she's going plans on breastfeeding her child, which is going, which is a constant thing, you know, which right. means she says she's going to be breastfeeding in the campaign trail. Oh, man. I hope that there's lots of shots of her on television having to talk it like. Oh, the baby suckling on her? Talking to, talking to Hamas, you know, with a baby, like at her boob. Uh, let's see. Um, Rick, an interesting. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. This is a different email. Um, well, I'll just read this one first. Rick, an interesting fact about Sarah Palin is she gave birth to her first child eight months after her wedding. Her husband and her eloped to get married. I don't know if this is true. I'm simply reading the email. He says, apparently the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. Uh, here's the one I wanted to read. Then we'll resume the news with Tim Riley. Then we'll talk to Nina Parker. Uh, about Bristol Palin, Rick, uh, I have turned your program off for the day. Which always means, by the way, that they haven't. But he says, I will continue to drink Viso. I will continue to be a glorious bastard. Uh, but I can't handle this much focus on a 17-year-old girl who isn't Miley Cyrus. Uh, election day can't get here soon enough. It, I would only make this observation. It's uh, all the fault of the Disney Channel. They started all this. <laughs> and rock and roll, Tim. And Juno. Uh, what came first, the Disney Channel or Juno? The short pants of the Disney Channel. It's all it's all the fault of uh, the Lindy Hop, Tim. That's where all of this uh, teenage humping comes from. I don't think I think I speak for everybody when I say I'm not trying to pick on Bristol Palin, and I mean that I, really. All all of our sort of snarky comments aside, I mean that nobody's trying to be mean to her. Um, you know, nobody's trying to. You know, this is sweet gal. Nobody is trying to single her out for anything. That being said, um, 
There's nothing you can do to stop it. Well, there's nothing you can do to stop it. And it was a story, I mean, you know, maybe this sounds to people like a smug self-rationalization, whatever. But, I mean, it was already a story before we even walked in this morning. It was a story on Friday. It was a story on Saturday. It was a story on Sunday. It's going to continue to be a story. And also this. I would say that uh, Sarah Palin continually rolls those kids out uh, as support for why she ought to be vice president. I mean, Sarah Palin, and I, I'm just going to say this without comment. She's a fertile woman. That she is, Tim. I would say that Sarah Palin and people supporting Sarah Palin have repeatedly, repeatedly invoked, mentioned, brought up, or referred to the fact that she has several kids, including a Down syndrome child. Which she had after she was 40. As Which she had after she was 40 uh, as a sort of rationale or a foundation for saying that she is a... Uh, you know, a strong leader, ought to be vice president, has strong morals, morality, or whatever. So Sarah Palin herself has made her child or children an issue in this campaign. She is the one who continually sticks her kids in front of a camera and has her people talk about the kids as some sort of basis for her being a qualified vice presidential candidate. So for us to then remark upon something that Sarah Palin herself has made public and has used as a spoke on the wheel of her campaign is to be expected and not unfair. And by the way, Tim, what did you say? How old was she when she had uh, the youngest child? So is she 45 now? She is 45 now, I believe. And this child, uh, allegedly hers, well, well, we'll give it the benefit, it, hers. Trig. Trig is, so she would have been 44. Well... I would say this, and this was sent to me by several people. You know, at 25, the risk of Down syndrome is 1 in 1,300. At 30, the risk of Down syndrome is 1 in 1,000. By the time you reach 45, she was how old? Hmm? Tim, she was how old? 44. 44. Hmm. So at 45, the risk of having a kid with Down syndrome is 1 in 30. So... That's all I'm going to say. By the time you choose to have a child at the age of 44, you are already within the ballpark of 1 in 30 that the kid's going to have Down syndrome. So that is a, uh, it's what they call a checkable fact, and I will just let that stand without comment. Here's Tim Riley. Time for a snuff watch, a triple. Here's your triple snuff watch for whatever the hell this is, Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Show. He was 71. He had an emphysema. He was under hospice care for many years. Uh, he came uh, to the attention of many as Burt uh, Reynolds, trick-driving sidekick the Snowman in the yeah. Hollywood trilogy, Smokey and the Bandit. That's what I'm talking about. He was already a musical deity to guitar players who admired his uh, flurries of unleashed casual gleam, it says here. When you hunt, your hunt was probably his uh, greatest hit, among others. He enjoyed comedic Hollywood roles. He was also in the 1998 Adam Sandler film, The Water Boy. He often smiled at everyone. His health declined in recent years. He focused on spiritual studies and uh, brought attention to veterans' issues. Uh, he was also, uh, let's see, well, he was in Smoking the Bandit. He was also uh, on at least two episodes of Scooby-Doo, by the way. Uh, but everybody remembers him from Smoking the Bandit. By the way, this is a good time to point out that... Um, I'm not going to say this is any kind of luck, good or bad. I'm simply going to say there's an interesting coincidence that this Friday's Midnight Movie from Court and Fatboy 
Smoking the Bandit, starring Jerry Reed. So uh, this Friday will be half midnight movie, half mournful tribute to the snowman. Uh, he also he was also a master of puns too in country music. He had that great song about divorce. She got the gold mine, I got the shaft. Mm. So there you go, Jerry Reed, ladies and gentlemen, he will be missed. Part two, Ike Pappas, a longtime CBS newsman who reported the shooting death of Lee Harvey Oswald on the radio as it was happening, has died at the age of 75. Pappas was among the reporters at the Dallas police station awaiting Oswald to be moved two days after the Kennedy assassination. you have anything to say in your defense? What? There's a shot. Oswald has been shot. Oswald has been shot. A shot rang off. Mass confusion here. No, that's uh, I mean, that's up there with that Hindenburg, you know, you know, the humanity moment. Ike Pappas was 75. He was among 200 CBS employees who were laid off in 1987. Part three: The king of the voiceovers has been silenced. Don LaFontaine died yesterday afternoon at Cedar Sinai. He passed away following complications after a collapsed lung. He's instantly recognizable for what reason, everybody? By saying, what's his most famous quote? In a world. In a world. Now, we should note, he is not the guy in the comedian trailer. Uh, that is a guy named Hal something or other. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but Don LaFontaine, uh, by his own estimate, he did something like 4,500 movie trailers. He, he was the most, the busiest actor. Oh, yeah. Oh, Rob. I uh, we we started the show today with two things, Juno, and then we had uh, Don LaFontaine reading the uh, the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm -hmm. uh, I also toyed with I have him doing uh, the Bird's Eye Frozen Dinners. I have him doing Nintendo. I have him doing. Uh, he did a Geico ad. Oh, I yeah, think I last year. Do you have the Geico ad? World where both of our cars were totally underwater. We thought it would take forever to get some help. But a new wind was about to blow. Five thousand films. Uh. I mean, you know, you talk about a guy who just... And it's not just about being born with a good voice. I mean, Tim, you know I've worked in radio. We all, yes. uh, guys with a low voice or guys who give themselves a low voice by chain-smoking palm malls. I mean, those guys are a dime a dozen. It is something with the cadence and the tone, the meter with which you speak. Um, you know, it is, uh, as my friend Todd uses to describe... Uh, a word he uses to describe everything we can't quite, uh, you know, put our finger on. It is the artistic intangible. And there was something about Don LaFontaine that he really... Man, he just nailed it. And, um, you know, so much so that that in a world thing, and in fact, the Don LaFontaine style of delivery is now its own um, uh, style that can be easily parodied and satirized because everybody knows exactly who you're talking about. Yep. So, uh, all right. Well, rest in peace, Don LaFontaine. Here's your triple snuff watch. Talk to Nina Parker in just just one second. Uh, Court and Fatboy's Midnight Movie this Friday, Smoking the Bandit. I'm telling you right now, they ought to preface it with a whole bunch of Don LaFontaine trailers. They had to lead into it because they do a lot of trailers sometimes. They had to do a bunch of Don LaFontaine trailers. Then, of course, Smoking the Bandit. I there bet they will. All right. There you go. They, you can have that idea for free, my friend. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show on the busiest day in the history of everything uh, here on KCMT Portland from TMZ.com, Nina Parker. Hello, Nina. Hello. How's it going? Uh, it's, uh, it is going very well. Thank you for joining us this week. I know it's a busy week for you, busy day for us. Busy. It is a busy week for the Republic. Um, 
All right, TMZ.com. Um, and so this is just sort of everything about this Bristol Palin story. Everything's just coming out of the woodwork, and the story is right. just unfolding faster than we could even talk about it. So uh, what are you guys saying, if anything, right now about Bristol Palin, the story, Sarah Palin, all of that? Anything you can tell us about that? Yeah, well, you know, of course, everyone knows that the Palin family has come out and said yesterday that Bristol is pregnant, basically dispelling any rumors that her Sarah's four-month-old is, in fact, Bristol's child. Right. Now um, we found out that Levi Johnson, the guy who got Bristol pregnant, um, on his MySpace page, he, he's writing a lot of things. He's basically saying, calling himself a redneck, um, and he's saying that he doesn't want children, So, which is a little strange because, of course, he will be having one very right. soon. His MySpace page has now since been deactivated. So uh, <laughs> looking for that will uh, not prove helpful because they have gotten rid of it. Uh, but, you know, it's just crazy because you, you're, all this is coming out, and I'm wondering what kind of investigation, you know, McCain, the McCain camp did before, you know, all this drama because the Palin family is getting hit with a lot of stuff. You know, and it's interesting to know we were talking to somebody from CNN about this earlier, and uh, maybe there's a, uh, as they would say in Scooby-Doo, maybe there's a logical explanation for all of this, maybe there isn't, but uh, they are now sending, however many people vetted her before, I guess the McCain campaign has now sent a whole platoon of people to Alaska right. to be doing sort of post-nomination vetting or post-selection vetting, which they claim is a normal part of the process, but it does seem like they're afraid that there are many dozens of shoes still to drop. We found out that we're still investigating, but, um, you know, there's a lot of things that are coming out of the woodwork, not only on Bristol, but, you know, um, Sarah's husband. So there are a lot of things that are kind of coming, you know, to the top, and people are kind of wondering what's going on with the McCain camp, why they would choose such a controversial person. So uh, there's, there, this is just the beginning, honestly, for this particular family. They have a lot of teenagers, so <laughs> there's a lot to, to sift through. Let me, let me ask you this. Maybe you can speak to this. Maybe not. I don't really know. Where... I don't even remember his name. Where is Sarah Palin's husband in all of this? It seems like he's, you know, I've seen a picture of him, but he's sort of a missing guy. Yeah, I mean, we haven't heard much from him. He, it's more as so her and her camp talking. Uh, he has pretty much stayed quiet, so, you know, which may be for good reason, because there have been a couple of things that have come out about him recently, about some DUIs in his past within the last couple of years, last 22 years, actually. I mean, he may have had several of those, so those are being investigated as well. So uh, he may not want to talk right now. It might not be the best thing for him. Yeah, and I guess she was a, she was a member, or he was a member of some... I don't know, some group that wants to vote to secede from the union or something. There's a, I think there's something in the water up there. I mean, between you and I, I think there's a. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a sticky situation. So it's not looking good right now. And you know, this in addition to already kind of the low morale right now with the Republicans, just because of you know their convention, it's not helping. Uh, it's uh, it is it is crazy, and no doubt going to get crazier. All right, uh, Nina Parker, thank you for making time for us. TMZ.com, the website. We will talk to you next week, Nina. Thanks a lot. Thank Bye. you, Nina Parker, ladies and gentlemen. All right, I dig Ooh. her. Oh. I like her. She's very concise. And God, else that she needs to. You know what it is? That she's concise and she knows what she's talking about and she uh, she knows how to say it. So, Jesus, let's see. Oh, I meant to ask her about David Duchovny. I suck. Oh. All right. Boy, how weird is that, the David Duchovny thing? It plays a sex addict and is a sex addict. Yeah, but it, it is in a rehab for sex addiction, and yet by everybody's, like everybody involved, including his wife Taylor Leone, who's weird looking. Uh, says he didn't have an affair, but he's in rehab for sex addiction. Oh, you know what I, I was reading about that, and I think it's because uh, he's addicted to porn. Well, he does have a weird porn fetish. Have you ever read? Uh, have you ever read his 
Who was I talking to about this? Chris Morris, I think. Have you ever read the Playboy interview with David Duchovny? Probably not. Mm-mm. The David Duchovny interview in Playboy, and Playboy is the definitive interview. I've said that forever. We'll continue to say it's the definitive interview in this country. David Duchovny in, and the Playboy interview, despite the fact that it's Playboy, is not usually about sex. It's about, you know, whatever. It just happens to be in a magazine with naked girls. But in the Playboy interview, they ask David Duchovny some question about, you know, hey, we hear you like porn. And I swear to God, it's like a page and a half of David uh, Duchovny monologuing about all of his thoughts on porn, which is pretty fascinating, but he does have more than a passing interest in it. So uh, it's all very, uh, it's all very crazy. He's sexy. Like, he does seem a little off-kilter. He seems a little nutty. Um, let's see. All right. Uh, you're listening to KCMD Portland. Um, let's see. Let me just re- read a couple of these. Then we will welcome Dan from Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. Rick, this email says, um... Uh, let's see. Uh, at New Seasons, the lead checkout person said one of the staff is collecting Viso caps in hope of collecting enough for a Viso Scion. Four and a half million caps. Uh, I also made a Viso sighting at the Tillamook Factory at the Coast. Uh, staff at Louis and Dan's Oyster Bar down with Viso. When uh, um, you. you know, my friend Heather was in New York around the same time. You know, at the same time I was too. She was having withdrawals. Oh, dude. She talked about it all the time. She's like, I can't wait to have a Viso. I can't believe I. I she can't live without it. Like she, because she had it every morning. I can't remember now. Please don't take offense. What you were here for and what you weren't, because last week is just such a blur. Because last week was crazy too, because of the Democratic convention and buckling down for this hurricane. Were you here the day that I didn't eat for for 21 hours? No, but I talked to you on the phone, and you sounded insane. Because I had to go. Uh, they were testing my cholesterol. And so as part of that... And there was no Viso, and you were just living on cough. I, oh, no, you couldn't drink Viso, right? You I couldn't have any Viso. The deal is uh, I had forgotten about it until I got up and checked my day planner. And I looked at my... As I'm preparing to have breakfast, I'm like, what, what's, what, what does my day hold for me? It's like, you know, the cholesterol test this afternoon. Must not eat. So by the time I got to the hospital, I hadn't eaten for 21 hours. I couldn't have food. Couldn't have Viso. I could have nothing but coffee. Black coffee, no coffee, uh, you know, no cream, no sugar. Uh, but you don't realize, I'm doing an, an ad hoc live read here, but you don't realize how hooked you are on Viso and how good it is, uh, you know, until you can't have it. I mean, and then it's just, uh, it's like something has just been torn, torn away from you. All right. Uh, Richie, shall we welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show uh, from Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, uh, our good friend Dan, who will join us here. It's time. It sounded all like. Yeah, okay, thank you. It's time for Rick Emerson's Book Nook, here on KCMD Portland, where we talk about literary pursuits, fiction, nonfiction, and the wondrous world of the printed page. It's Rick Emerson's Book Nook. Do we not have headphones for... All right. Hey. Hello, Dan from Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. How are you, sir? Hello, very good. Do you not have a chair? Why don't you use the no Tina Yard celebrity stool over there? All right. Uh, well, you know, over the course of the, this uh, four-day weekend, I think uh, a lot of things sort of uh, walked out of the studio on us. Um, I think Richie might be obtaining guest headphones uh, for you. All right, there you go. Thank you, Richie. Oh, thanks, Richie. All right. Dan from Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, one of our uh, proud uh, sponsors here on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, so uh, thank you for dropping in. First of all, I'll tell you, you can grab a hold of that mic and get up right up on that here if you want to uh, bring that a little closer to you. Let's just do it on the air so it makes as much noise as possible. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Be careful. There we go. All right. Don't, uh, don't, don't be shy about adjusting it. All right, Dan. Hello. How are you? Oh, very good. Oh, man. So what a week. What a weekend, huh? All right. Thoughts on Sarah Palin? Go. She did it. 
I don't even know what that means. Um, it, can I just say this? First of all, and I, we'll talk about books here in a second. We'll try to be high-minded here in just a moment. But it, she really is uh, She really is quite a looker. i got to say that. This guy called up earlier and said, well, maybe 20 years ago. I have to say she's, uh, I have to say she's almost distractingly pretty. Uh, I mean, she does have crazy eyes, so I, I don't really know if she's got a crazy brain as well. She's got a little bit of an unhinged look to her, but I would say she's, uh, I would say she's quite fetching. Well, you know who she reminds me of? No. Dr. Melfi. Oh, I could totally Just see that. Just a little bit of Dr. Melfi there. I could see that little Lorraine Bracco going on yeah. there. And I know everybody's talking about the Tina Fey. But, you know, here's here's two other people she reminds me of. One, the old VJ uh, Kennedy from MTV, who was also a member of the GOP, by the way. Uh, and a little bit of Ashley Banfield going on there, too. Maybe the glasses. Ooh, also this. You know who else she looks like? Lisa Loeb. A little bit. She reminds me of someone specific. I've just I've been racking my brain all day trying to think about it. I can't go by my finger on it, but uh, she is quite attractive. Well, you like that look with like the dark hair and the glasses. I do, Sarah. I do, and I like the crazy look too. So, uh, all right, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. In just one moment, we'll talk about uh, some of the new books that are Powell's books at Cedar Hills Crossing. We'll talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. Top five coming up more from Tim Riley. Don't forget uh, next Friday and Saturday, that is September twelfth and thirteenth. Dennis Miller going to be performing live at Spirit Mountain Casino. Uh, we could be sending you to see Dennis Miller live, Spirit Mountain Casino, next Friday or Saturday. Uh, so we're going to be giving away pairs of tickets all this week, all next week. Uh, we give away our first pair tomorrow, and it's the Rick Emerson Reverse Punchline Contest. You must create an original joke, a joke that comes from your own mind only, using no extant jokes, no previously existing comedy. You <laughs> must... Cook stuff. Yeah, yeah, please don't call up and be all Carlos Mencia on me. You must, um, you must le- create Create a joke leading up to the following word. The punchline is Islamabad. Islamabad. That is the punchline. It's a funny word. I I was also thinking about Saskatoon, but I decided to go to Islamabad. Uh, The punchline is Islamabad. You must have a joke leading up to that. It must be clean for air, of course. A joke leading up to the punchline Islamabad. We will be taking your calls on that tomorrow. That is tomorrow, Wednesday, at the end of the uh, day. Uh, the best joke that leads up to the punchline, Islamabad, will win a pair of tickets to see Dennis Miller uh, next Friday the 12th at Spirit Mountain Casino. All right, Dan from Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. So, first of all, uh, you and I emailed a little bit about the, some of the books you're going to be bringing in. I had to do the most frustrating thing. And, uh, you know, and, you know, when, for all my book purchases, of course, I do patronize Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, the corner of, uh, Hall and Cedar Hills Boulevard, 3415. I did actually, I had gone to the library, though, because my wife was out going to the library and she sort of dragged me along. And so while I was there, uh, I checked out this book and it's the most frustrating thing. I should have just bought it, actually, because I checked out a book and then I got sort of behind with stuff and didn't get a chance to read it. And it was this book called, uh, Norwegian Wood, which is apparently one of the most successful um, novels, because it, it was originally written in Japanese and translated to English, uh, and I guess it's the most successful Japanese-to-English book sort of ever written, and I never got a chance to read it. And that is by sheer coincidence, because one of the books you brought in to talk about today is by the same author, is it not? Exactly. Um, right. He's got a new book out about running, but um, unless if you're really into running or would like to uh, see how it would be like to have a beer with Haruki Murakami... Uh, the book that you want to read probably is Hard Boiled Wonderland and the End of the World. Uh, this is just a great book. It's a neuroscience. It's science fiction. It's detective fiction. It's Americana by way of Japan, all sort of uh, thrown together into this wonderful blender. Um, one of my favorite books. I still don't get it, but uh, definitely check this out. So how does that work? Maybe maybe you know this, maybe you don't. How does that work when a guy writes a book in 
Japanese or in any other language, and then they get translated uh, to English because so much of, of you know writing, it's not just the words, right? It's like the it's the sort of it's the idioms and the phrasing and the little twists and the plays on language, and and it's got to be a real specialized skill if you can take some book written in Sanskrit and you got to be translated into French or whatever. I think he's a little better than most. He's uh, he translates English authors into Japanese, so he's done The Great Gatsby into Japanese, and he always works with the same two translators, uh-huh. and he also speaks English. So um, I think he uses his translators more for the small nuances, mm-hmm. but he knows exactly what he's saying. And it's, it's always interesting when you see a book that is maybe uh, it deals with some sort of genre that maybe you think is... Uh, you know, you think maybe Americans have sort of got a monopoly on it, and then you realize they don't. Like, I'm, uh, like they use the word cyberpunk here talking about this. Uh, I'm going to read the back of this. It says, in this hyperkinetic, I sound like Don LaFontaine now, in my own head. In this hyperkinetic and relentlessly inventive novel, Japan's most popular and controversial fiction writer hurtles into the consciousness of the West. Hard-boiled wonderland at the end of the world draws readers into a narrative particle accelerator in which a split-brain data processor, a deranged scientist, his shockingly undemure granddaughter, Lauren Bacall, Bob Dylan, and various thugs, librarians, and subterranean monsters collide to dazzling effect. What emerges is simultaneously cooler than zero and unaffectedly affecting, a hilariously funny and deeply serious meditation on the nature and uses of the mind." I mean, it's, it's book descriptions like this that make me wish... I've often thought about it, I wish I had a whole separate self, like a clone version of me just to watch TV, and I wish that I had a whole separate one just to read, you know? Because you go to the bookstore and it's just like... It's sort of wonderful and frustrating all at once. There's like more books than you could ever possibly read. And so you kind of want to do that Burgess Meredith thing, you know, being the last man alive, except I don't want to break my glasses glass again. So, excellent. All right, Hard Boy of Wonderland and the End of the World by... Haruki uh, Murakami? Yes, and he's kind of, um, he's what the bookstore readers are uh, reading. He's the he's sort of the cool band that other bands are listening to. Excellent. All right, what else is, uh, what else is out and about that we might care about? Well, uh, some of the stuff is sort of on the way. And, uh, of course, the biggest buzz is probably Tales of Beetle and the Bard by J.K. Rowling. Uh, it's a book that is mentioned in the final Harry Potter book, and it's... Uh, that same book that she did, like, seven hand-done original versions of and then sold them for millions of dollars for charity. And this will be a popular version uh, available in bookstores everywhere in December. So this is so the Tales of, what is it, Beetle and the Bard? Uh, tales of Beetle the Bard. Beetle the Bard. And so is this... Is this a book? In other words, it's a book from inside the universe. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a so Hogwarts. A book. Yeah. It's a, because I think it's a book that is referenced by the characters exactly. existing. So it's a little bit like a Hogwarts of history or one of those things, an in-universe. And so it's going to be, is this going to be like a mass market book? It's not going to be another, because you said you cheated the limited run before. Is this there was a very limited run, and then there's going to be a fancy version, and then there's going to be a affordable version. Excellent. So it's going to cover the whole the whole gamut. What is it? Now, what is her, her rationale? I mean, is this for... Is this for charity? Is this just a regular book she's writing? Is this a way to sort of milk it one last time? I mean, I'm not saying it's not going to be a good book, but I thought she was sort of done with the whole thing. Well, this is kind of the big question because, uh, you know, everybody's wondering where does she go after Harry Potter. Right. And uh, Tolkien only had one in him. You know, he did Lord of the Rings and then a lot of side projects, right. and then it was over. And so people are wondering, is this the side project or is this um, keeping her name in play until the next big thing comes out? And it does sort of make you wonder also if, 
uh, first of all, she's ever going to go back and do like a, you know, like another real Harry Potter book. And also, speaking of Tolkien, I was thinking about this with J.K. Rowling the other day. Sarah's heard me talk about this a bajillion times. But one of the things, I'm fascinated by ghostwriters. The whole concept of ghostwriting is just, it's endlessly intriguing to me. And I always go to V.C. Andrews, who is, who at one point was a real person. Uh, wrote like a book and a half, maybe two and a half books. She wrote Flowers in the Attic and then some other crap, and then she died. Uh, and then her family, the estate, came in and like, hey, we're not going to turn off this money cap. And now there's this guy, Andrew Niederman, this guy who writes all of these books, and you see him sort of cluttering up his supermarkets everywhere you go with all these Flowers in the Attic type books that are all written under her name. And it makes you wonder if J.K. Rowling has kind of taken steps to make sure that someday after she passes away that they, you know, they're not going to be able to come in and sort of just ring out more stuff underneath her name. So, I mean, you know, that, that's always a risk with books like this. What's up with that Twilight series of books? Oh, that's that's huge. That's, uh, I feel like I blinked and missed it somehow. Yeah, no, it's 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 big and getting bigger. Um, it seems to be um, the place where a lot of the tweens went after Harry Potter, you know, where people were looking for where are they going to go now that Harry Potter's over. Uh, Twilight's where they ended up. And um, it is also... Sort of like Harry Potter in the fact that um, you're beginning to see an adult audience developing for it. Uh, there's a woman who works here who I will not identify, and she pulled me aside. Uh, we were talking about it. she's a, she's a, a big Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. I say identifying her to everybody who works at CBS, and uh, but she but she, I had gotten. I'd gotten this new Buffy comic book. I'd gotten the Buffy the Vampire Slayer Omnibus Volume 1, which is this sort of graphic novel with a bunch of early uh, pre-Sunnydale Buffy stories. And she and I were, like, nerding out about it. And she's like, so are you reading the Twilight books? And I said, no, what's that? She goes, there are these vampire books that are written for teenage girls, but I can't quit reading them, and I feel kind of embarrassed because they're sort of pulpy, but they're really great, and I'm on the third one in, like, less than ten days, and I know I'm going to have to read all of them. And she is the third person inside, I'd say, the last 60 days who pulled me aside, and they all get this voice like the I'm going to share the identity of Deep Throat with you voice. And, this, and the other person was like, so I'm reading these Twilight books, and they're... um. Yeah, they're kind of it's embarrassing because they're for teenage girls, but I can't quit reading them. But I mean, it seems like it's one of those things people are just devouring them. Oh yeah, yeah. She uh, she sold out an event at the uh, Baghdad Theater for Pals. Uh, really? Uh, yeah, they couldn't put her in the big store. Uh, is it? The, and so is she done? Is that series completed? I think there's still more. Uh, in fact, there's this whole sort of thing where people are asking, from what perspective is this book, depending on what character is being highlighted. Right. And uh, I'm not, you know, all that familiar with exactly what book is where in the series, but it seems to me that it's coming from a number of different directions. Excellent. Talking to uh, Dan from Powell's Books at Studio Hills Crossing, uh, what else is uh, coming across your transom, sir? Well, I like a Portable Grindhouse, The Lost Art of the VHS Box, which uh, if you... Think about it. When VHS came out, before that point, there was no need to package movies. And then VHS happened. They had video stores, needed product put on the shelf, and they needed to put artwork on it. Right. So if you can kind of look at, you know, remember how VHS looked in the early oh, 80s. Yeah. Oh, do I ever. There's all sorts of it inside of this uh, inside of this book, and the author is actually from Portland. Really? May I look at that? Yes. All right. Uh Let's see here. Portable Grindhouse Lost Art of the VHS Box, uh, Volume 1. All right, so I'm looking at this here, and it's just, man, you know what? This just, I, I hate to say this, makes me sound old, but boy, this takes me back. Because one of the things about which I can rhapsodize endlessly, and I don't think we ever have, I think we had one conversation about this once with Aaron Duran on like some holiday show. It is, there is something about, there is some, there was some kind of vibe in the old school video stores. 
you know, and I, you know, I get a lot of, I just buy a lot of stuff now. And, you know, we go to, you know, there's that Mike Clark's movie Madness, which is, you know, it's okay. But it doesn't have the same threadbare, cheesy, dusty, sort of kind of beat down, wonderful, almost kind of taboo sort of appeal that the old school video stores had. And you would walk around in there and they would have the mysterious beaded curtain where like all the porn was behind or whatever. And they would just have these posters and just like this guy says, this, these VHS boxes where, you know, the, the whole thing was the artwork, right? Because like you couldn't you couldn't preview it. There was no internet. You couldn't go to Wikipedia or IMDb and look up the movie. So the whole thing was about the box. And I remember going in and just seeing these posters for movies that you knew were terrible. There was this poster you probably don't remember there's this guy who played for the um he played for the Oakland Raiders, this guy named Lyle Alzado, who then later died of sort of steroid induced cancer. But he was this huge like NFL guy and he was in this terrible film called it was called like the Equalizer or the Powerlizer or something. But he was this guy that sort of fought crime with like this huge. It looked it was like a big taser basically. It was like a taser shaped like a jackhammer that he would sort of tase like criminals to death. And it was a terrible movie. But the only read, why did I get it? Oh, it's got a great box, and I would pick it up and take it home. So this this uh, book, this um, portable grindhouse, this is all sort of artwork from that age of pulpy exactly. VHS. And it's something that you didn't even realize went away. Yeah, well, because it's all, you know, because you get it all in the in the mail now, and Netflix or, or whatever. Uh, I'm looking at here, some of these are, um, some of the some of the movies they've got here in this book. Um, John Schneider, Dukes of Hazzard's John Schneider, starring in Cocaine Wars, a lone American hero, challenges the might of a vicious drug empire. And then it's got him, and he's all muscly and greased up with the handlebar mustache, and he's got the gun, and then he's got the hot girl. Uh, it's also got Escape from Death Row. It's got the... Beast of the Yellow Knight, Return from the Dead, to stalk human prey. Here's another one. Here's another great, great uh, VHS box that has been lost into the sands of time. Monster Dog. Monster Dog stars Alice Cooper, who, you want to talk about a rock star who's made more bad, I mean, it's all very easy to bust on Jessica Simpson or, or uh, you know, um, Kelly Clarkson for making bad films. You want to talk about a guy in the music industry who's made more bad films than anybody known the man. That's Alice Cooper. He made this movie called Monster Dog, and I think he made the movie under the lie that it would only ever be released in Argentina. And, of course, it was, like, it was everywhere. It was every video store you went to. And it was this huge sort of weird, like, cyborg kind of mechanical kind of demon-possessed dog. And the box was just like the dog taking a bite out of somebody's neck. And then there was a full moon. And then there was, like, a guy with a hook in the background. It was all very, very great. So, so this is, is this something that's in stock now? It's coming. All right, yeah, when's it going to be out? Probably, they'll give you a little bit on the front here. So we got to make sure this, when, uh, when this comes out, this will be in, on the, uh, as heard on the Oh, it will be on the table, today. I assure you. Fantastic. My bet it's going to be before December, most of these are. And so what else, people that walk in there to tell us books, what else on the, uh, as heard on the Rick Emerson show table right now? People are always looking for stuff to uh, to read. They're always looking for, uh, you know, new adventures. Well, Palinuk is always good there, and uh, we've also got uh, the... Um, the Dexter stuff. Excellent. And I'm working on getting that Guns N' Roses book. Reckless Road by Mark yep. Cantor. Yep. Yeah. We've working had a lot of one. requests about that. And it's uh, and this is a good time to be reading the Dexter books, too, because Dexter Season 3 is uh, going to be starting when? September? I think so. September or October. Got to be, yeah. September. They just put out another promo for it today, too. It was really good. I would also say that because tonight is the premiere of The Shield's final season, a book that people might want to look into. Uh, it is and it, because the Shield, the television series on FX, is largely based on the corruption scandal in the Rampart District in L.A. The, the LAPD had the Rampart con- uh, corruption scandal, which everybody remembers from you know the 10, 12 years ago. There's a great book about that called Labyrinth. 
uh, and I forget the author's name, but it's a, it's a guy who worked for the L.A. Times, and he wrote a book called Labyrinth, which is all about the inner workings of the corruption the corrupt factions of the LAPD uh, and how they sort of tie in with the murders of both Tupac Shakur and Notorious B.I.G. It's a fascinating read. So, oh, I remember that now. Yeah, it's a, it's a great, great book. Uh, let's do, uh, before we kind of wrap this up, what's, what's one more thing uh, out there people looking for something to read they might want to pay a little bit of attention to? Well, one more coming up, um, coming attraction, a book called Drood, D-R-O-O-D, by Dan Simmons. Uh, Dan Simmons is a really, I think, fine, upstanding horror author. Uh, he did a book a few years ago called Summer of Night, which kind of had a stand-by-me feel, kind of a adolescence on uh-huh. the cusp of the 50s and 60s. And this is based on a, a, a true story that Charles Dickens, in the last five years of his life, he was in a train accident. And he never, he wasn't particularly injured, but it was very traumatic. Mm-hmm. And it kind of derailed his, pardon the pun, his career. And... uh I think that what Simmons is doing here is he's kind of piecing together what might have happened, and and it is also based on the uh, last book that Charles Dickens was written was uh, writing uh, the uh, the uh, book, basically. And so this is, but it's a fictional telling of this whole incident. Exactly, and what Charles Dickens' last five years were really about, and it's all full of Victorian nastiness. Excellent, and I love Victorian nastiness. It's. It's and, there. And it's uh, by Dan Simmons. The book is called Drood. Yeah. D-R-O-O-D. And it's probably going to be out um, probably all of the stuff that I've been looking at sometime between now and December. Excellent. All right. Fantastic. Uh, so as always, for all your book, literature, reading needs, all your sci-fi, your graphic novels, uh, from top to bottom, soup to nuts, A to Z, and Z to A, um, Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, 3415. Uh, Southeast Cedar Hills Boulevard, where Hall and Cedar Hills Boulevard connect. Am I right? You're right. Fantastic. All right, Dan, thank you so much for coming in. Take a break. Back after this, Tim Riley returns with the news, and we got to squeeze out today's top five. Got to do it, got to do it, got to do it. Back after this, the Rick Emerson radio program. Go nowhere. You know, when I was a kid, I had this on a K-Tel record. Uh, it was called Kickin' Country. It had a huge beer mug on the front with, like, rope around it, like a lariat or whatever. Um, and I used to play this song constantly, constantly. I don't know why I found this song so compelling as a child. I mean, really, no logical explanation for it. And, see, you're totally right about it, Tim. It, the, tonight, this this week, all you're going to see all over television... In two, loving memory. Exactly. In loving memory. The, he was loved by millions. His, yeah, his songs defined a generation. His legacy to America. Now, the Jerry Reed collection can be yours for just $19.99. You'll get such hits as this, this... And this. Also, there's going to be that Smokey and the Bandit, like, Criterion Collection disc or something, if there isn't already. All right. Uh, later on the week, we'll grab Court and Fatboy, find out what they're going to do this Friday for Smokey and the Bandit, which was already going to be their midnight movie. So, All right. It's 503-733-2970. Here's Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Chuck Torres ran from a gun brawl at their hotel, only to stumble upon the porn film also being shot in the hallway. 
terrified uh, customers said it was the last draw. After the holiday uh, makers spent a week in hell in Bulgaria. Show their tourist. Bulgarian porn film. A week in hell in Bulgaria. Something for the entire family. Uh, their trip was ruined when they found naked actors romping in front of children in the hotel library. Uh, one of the staff shot a teenage guest in the face with a stun gun and accused her of stealing his towels. And eating in the hotel restaurant gave them food poisoning. Best vacation ever. We noticed in the mezzanine, which is in full view of everyone, there was a porn movie being filmed. I was shocked. There were two blonde girls and one guy going at it. Fantastic. Was it Bulgaria, Tim, or Bulge area? Apparently so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. another Bulgarian trip to hell. <laughs> is there any other kind? Upon hearing the news that Carl Rove, the former advisor for President Bush, had called him a, quote, big blowhard doofus, unquote, at the Republican event in Minneapolis, Senator Joe Biden smiled. He's a great American. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's the, when Biden says something like that, that's how you know he's not a guy to F with. You can call you know? me anything you want. I learned that a long time ago. Oh, yeah. And Biden seems like a tough guy. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people, uh, there's a sort of image that, Maybe Biden and especially Obama are sort of, you know, they're elitist or, you know, whatever. Who knows? But I mean, but Biden does seem like he's the real deal. He seems like he comes from from a uh, from a not too good background as a kid. Mm-hmm. Seems like you probably a bloody your nose you got in front of him. Meanwhile, uh, Listerine fixes more than bad breath. Uh, users at one time were instructed to massage it into their scalps before shampooing to keep the dandruff away. Listerine also works wonders in preventing head lice. Wrap it into your scalp, then rinse it out. Perhaps the most unusual suggestion, use it to get rid of toenail fungus. Pour some Listerine onto a cotton square and dab it on the affected nail. This is like a CBS Health Watch it is. thing? All right. Uh, let's just, real quickly, and I know that uh, you have already seen, did you watch, you watch Mad Men on Sunday? Yes, I did. Okay, now see, starting now, I'm up to speed. Okay. There was that whole unpleasant uh, couple weeks where I was just watching them a few days late. So as of now, uh, now the cable is flowing freely in my house. So I'm now up to speed on Mad Men. Going to be up to speed tonight. I'll be watching The Shield tonight. Uh, the, the, it's so great. After 90210? Sure. Uh, they're not even calling it the final season. They're just calling it the final act. Uh, it begins tonight on The Shield and then, of course, Battlestar, which they're now saying may not end until... Jesus. They're saying that Battlestar may, might not even begin its finale you know, like it's final half season, whatever, until next April. For the love of Christ, it's already been filmed. Jesus. Anyway. Uh, That's like a little bit lost. I'm not even emotionally attached to Lost anymore. We broke up. <laughs> You're distancing yourself. Dumping it before it can dump you. Mm-hmm. It's a long-distance relationship. I'm just looking forward to seeing that new J.J. Abrams show, Fringe. Um. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, he's he always starts strong. Yeah, because everyone says he, like once he starts a new project, like he starts to focus all of his energy on that. So I'm assuming Fringe is going to be really good. Yeah. His loss is kind of trailing off. Uh, so Mad Men Sunday, fantastic. Yes. I mean, I still think that the previous week's episode, the, the new girl, was maybe the best of the series ever so far. But Sunday was really good. Boy, you know, Don Draper, and I was telling Tim this during the break, I, I watched that and, of course, immediately, like a nerd, jumped onto message boards to see what the kids were saying about it. And there is now, I mean... There are just these long dissertations being written about, you know, these sort of this armchair psychoanalysis of Don Draper. I mean, that guy is just such a fascinating character. Um, and he's so, the one? Uh, well, the main guy. Yeah, he's, okay. yeah, the big stylish guy. He's like a hundred feet tall. Um, you know, and, and and if you haven't seen Sunday's Mad Men, then I guess maybe you know you turn down the radio for a bit. But it was interesting when he's all getting getting on with that woman, and then she makes that you know so and so at Simon and Schuster said you know that you were the best, and the clearly it's a, it's around that he's like a slut, mm-hmm. and it was an interesting moment because that's a show where obviously 
takes place in a time when women are really thought of as being, you know, if you sleep around, you're a slut and a whore and whatever. And it's interesting that there's that little turnabout where Don is being thought of as the same thing that they always say women are on that on that show. And also, Don's mother was, in fact, an actual whore. Was she not a yes, prostitute? And so it's interesting that, you know, his his dad, Don Draper, was born to a prostitute and a, and a John, which means that his both his parents were both, you know, kind of, you know, on that side of the sexual equation, and now he is realizing he is the same. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I didn't even get to the end because I'm dumb. Is that whole thing about the maiden form ad where it's like you're Jackie during the day and Marilyn at night? I didn't realize that that is, of course, a commentary on Don Draper himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that great little split screen thing they do at the end, just what a great show. I mean, it's fantastic. Um, and then this says, Rick, the device, uh, the test that involved blowing into a balloon, we were asking about the breathalyzer, mm-hmm. was invented in 38. It was called, yes, a drunkometer. Uh, uh, but the, in 1954, the actual breathalyzer was invented. Uh, so he would have had access to one of those breathalyzers. Um, uh, this guy then also says, uh, all that aside, Rick, I, have, I must have said out loud to no one, damn, this is the best thing I've ever seen, three or four times while watching this episode. Um, anyway, he says, um... It just goes on and on and on about what a great show Mad Men is. So it's uh, it's fantastic. You must. And, and the funny thing is, they they started encore performance right at the conclusion of it. Which because I just got my cable turned back on, I'm so glad for this because I just got and I hadn't set my season pass on the TiVo. Uh-huh. So I look up at the television at like 10:15. I'm like, oh, oh my God! You know, I have not set the thing. Zutalures, uh, I have missed one. Uh, and so then I, I immediately go to the on-screen programming, and God bless them, they were running another one at 11 o'clock. So I was able to watch it without interruption. So uh, anyway, it's just a, just, just a fantastic show. Just off the charts good. So, all right. Well, all right. All right. Is that the uh, end of your news today, Tim? It is, yes. All What's right. next? Uh, well, we will probably talk to our friend uh, Chris slash Boba Fett here in just a moment, uh, because he has an exciting tale to tell about the Weird Al Yankovic concert. All right. Uh, Did you end up going to that? I did. It was unbelievable. Uh, we will probably not have time to do the top five today. Okay. I, I'm a terrible person. I'm awful. Uh, tomorrow, though, what Nobody's is tomorrow? Arguing. No, you're a wonderful person. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just sit there silently. Let's fight him on it, Tim. Uh, no, I just I feel bad because it's a great top five, and, and lately we've been doing so well at getting getting the stuff, and it's just you know. I haven't I'm, been doing well getting to the breaks. Let's blame Sarah Palin for this. I haven't noticed. All in favor of blaming Sarah Palin? Aye. Aye. All opposed? All right. We blame Sarah Palin. Motion carries. Sarah Palin. It all Palin began with Juno. It all began with, uh, all began with, with front lock bras, Tim. That's really where the problem comes in. Uh, the, boy, you know, and which, one final thing about Mad Men. You know what was interesting on that show is it's the first time they've used non-period music because they opened up with that Decemberist song. Yes. Which I was is interesting. Ask about that. It was weird because that show is so faithful to the era, but there's this whole mon-cut because the, the, the client they're talking to is maiden form and play, or is Playtex. Uh, and there's that great montage of all the women kind of getting dressed in the morning and showing their bras going on. And there's they're using that December song, which is kind of an interesting choice because they don't ever do anything that's not of the period. Which so, December song was it? I don't know, actually, because I'm not that big of a fan. But I went on, again, I was on the message board and somebody was like, what song was that? OMG. And it was apparently some December song. Wasn't that the band that got the instruments stolen? It was. That was the, and it was the band that was supposed to meet Barack Obama here and wasn't able to. Like he, he skedaddled out the back door or something before the December before they got to meet him. Oh, you know why? They had he, they had them on a separate stage. Is that why? They didn't tell anyone where the Barack stage was, and all of a sudden he popped up out of nowhere like two miles down. <laughs> and suddenly they're on the dope. So Tim, before you go to prepare more news, yeah. uh, which will be broadcast live throughout the afternoon, let me read this. Then we'll welcome uh, Chris Boba Fett. Subject line: Wedding vows. Rick, I'm getting married today, Tuesday, September second. We are both huge fans of the show. 
I thought you might get a kick out of knowing that we've incorporated a part of your show into our wedding vows, says this couple, who both deeply need therapy. The wedding starts at 11-11, which means they're married by now, so congratulations. He says, we're doing the vows back and forth. I say for better, she says for worse. Our very last vow before till death do his part is, I say, through the stuff, and she says, quote, through the other stuff, which is not exactly what you say, but it is an homage to one of your frequently recited quotes, which is, separate the stuff from the stuff, which I stole from Sam Donovan. And he says, anyway, thought you'd like to know, Anton and Deb. So uh, congratulations. congratulations. Best wishes to Anton and Deb. Thank you for remembering uh, this radio program, even as you were being joined in holy matrimony. Oh, Mr. Fed is here. All right. Uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour, all the way through Lycus. Jesus. We haven't even gotten to the old farmer's almanac. All right. Well, tomorrow. All right. Uh, our good friend Chris, alias you Boba Fett. Nice, Hello, sir. Hello, sir. You look lovely as always. All right. You can get uh, get right up on that microphone if you would. Uh, all right. So we, we had uh, a little bit of a discussion about this last week, but we didn't get a chance to have you tell uh, the whole story. So last um, let's see. La- what is today? I don't even remember when it the concert Tuesday. was. When was the show? Was last it last Monday. Monday? All right. So now we're we we behind it. Better late than never. So we interviewed Weird Al Yankovic, and then last Monday he performed out of the Oregon at the Pavilion at the Oregon State Fair. Yeah. And first of all, I know Sarah, you were not here for this, but that Weird Al Yankovic show was unbelievable. I really wanted to see that. Man, it's the second time I've seen him live. Uh, first of all, he comes. You know, they, they say the show starts at eight, seven fifty nine. Lights go down. Show starts. Uh, he does literally no intermission without stopping, no no break for everybody to go get a, a beer or whatever. He does two and a half hours nonstop. In that two and a half hours, I would say Weird Al Yankovic did, conservatively speaking, 15 costume changes. That is costume changes for the whole band, too, not just him. They do video interstitial segments. He walked out through the crowd at one point, was like singing with the people. I mean, it was unbelievable. So, I mean, the streamers, confetti, things shooting into the crowd. Twenty-five bucks for your ticket. Twenty-five dollars. I mean, that's a guy who over-delivers. I mean, you know, you should it, really do infomercials, Rick. I mean, it's why? Because just the way you just told me, like, just for twenty-five dollars. Honestly, I, I want to just give you my money. I mean, well, you know, not I, I, I didn't even get to see the show. I was backstage, so we could hear it, couldn't see it, and I thought, you know what? The way you just described it makes me want to be out you got to see him again i mean you know what and, and i know that we're talking about a thing that was last week but i mean that is a guy who at this point he's got such a loyal fan base weird al could come out and he could be like uh, all right uh who remembers eat it uh, 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 all right uh, i'm fat yeah he could just kind of like half ass he it. could phone it in man uh, no exaggeration when i say that for 25 bucks i got a better show than i've seen the shows where i paid 150 dollars I mean, he. I mean, he works for it, man. He and I don't mean that in a crass kind of way. I mean, he knows that people have a choice with what to do with their evening. They choose to go see him, and for twenty-five bucks, you get, you know, five hundred dollars worth of show. It was astounding. So he's doing the Saga Begins, which is that American Pie Star Wars song. Oh. And as he's singing it, and he comes out in the cool like Jedi robe and whatever, um, out behind him comes this whole row of stormtroopers and Darth Vader and. Boba Fett, who then do like some synchronized dance moves behind him during the show, <laughs> which was a great bonding moment because all the thousands of people are all singing along every word. And I said to my wife, I wonder if that's our Boba Fett. And sure <laughs> enough, it was. It was you? It was me, yeah. If you go on uh, Vimeo right now. V-I-M-E-O dot com. Right. And you look up uh, Cloud City Garrison and Weird Al in Salem, it'll take you right to a video that one of our guys put together. And so what is the deal? How did... How did 
it come out that you're on stage with Weird Al? How did that come about? Uh, when Weird Al tours, he goes and he knows that the uh, 501st is a nonprofit charity group, and right. we do uh, you know shows where all a bunch of Star Wars geek costumers, and so he contacts every local group and says, "Hey, look, I want you there for the saga," right. and so. Whoever can and whoever wants to is able to participate. He has up to, I think, six people. And so right. everybody pretty much is fighting to get sure. on this show. You were one of the lucky few. I was one of the lucky few because right now I'm the only one in the area with a Boba Fett costume. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Other than you have to beat out like the other Boba Fett. Nah, so it's uh, all you. You got cornered the market. Yes, I have so far. So you go backstage. First of all, he was cool, obviously. He was cool. We're backstage. We meet this guy. His name, obviously, uh, a roadie. We're supposed to meet a guy named Brendan. This huge guy comes out and he goes, hey. And we're like, hi, are you Brendan? He goes, no, my name is Hammer. Of course. And we're like, okay. And so he tells us, you know, basically, this is the routine, gets us practicing this little dance number, and we're like, okay. So meanwhile, in the middle of this pasture with a stereo blaring the saga, um, we're practicing with our helmets on. Right. Regular street clothes while these people in cowboy hats, chaps, and spurs are staring by, at us, yeah. looking at us like we are the biggest idiots in the world. So the night of the event, so what is you're standing backstage, you walk out. Weird Al singing the saga begins. You guys go out on stage. What is the sensation, if you can even describe it, when you're out there on stage behind Weird Al in front of this whole room of people? Well, we walk out, and it's basically you're wearing the darkest sunglasses you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we get let out. We're on stage. We've all seen the arena. We're like, uh, this, this won't be that full. It's oh, Weird Al, but it won't be that full. Well, it's dark. The song begins. The lights come on. <sighs> And it was the most impressive thing in the world. It was the best noise. And we were like, we were more floored. It was to the point where I think a lot of us were just standing there and forgot we were part of the show. Yeah. It was, I can see you'd be shell-shocked. I oh, mean, yeah. it was, you know, and, and you just, and the crowd, I don't know if you could hear, but the crowd singing every word to that song. Yeah. So. I mean, the crowd was awesome. Weird Al was awesome. Yeah. We got to, you know, meet him backstage afterwards. He got a, he got a signature for us on a 970 shirt. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. yeah. I was like, you know, Rick, Rick got to talk to him. I'm like, I'm sure he'd love to have something signed. I'm like, what can Absolutely. I get for Rick? And I'm like, you know what? Of all the shirts they've given me, I can give one back with a signature. Uh, Weird Al remembered. Excellent. Did you get a picture with him? Yes, I've got pictures. Those are also on uh, cloudcitygarrison.com. If you go to our picture gallery. It's fantastic. So, um, yeah, he remembered. I said, hey, you did a, an interview last week with a guy named Rick Emerson. He goes, oh, yeah, I remember. That was cool. Cool. And I was like, um, this is their station shirt. Could I get a signature from him? Yeah. And he's like, oh, no problem. Dude, I'm going to gonna, gonna hang that in my office at home. So, actually, well, congratulations. It was very cool. I mean, that's <laughs> Thank a, you. That's a thing that not everybody gets to do. You know, you no. can look back and go, hey, I stood on stage with Weird Al. What would you do? Yeah. So. All right. Uh, so what is the website? One more time. CloudCityGarrison.com. Uh, yeah, CloudCityGarrison.com. That will take you, and you can look at the pictures. You can find out what we do um, and find out more about us. If you want to find the video, go to uh, Vimeo, uh, and then look up Cloud City Garrison and Weird Al in Salem. Excellent. All right. Thank you, my friend. Congratulations. Well Thank done. You. All right. Back after this to wrap it up, Likes at 3, Michael Maris Show at 7, The Rick Emerson Show continues after this. Go nowhere. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include, what is tomorrow, Wednesday? Mm -hmm. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com uh, and uh, Lisa Desjardins, who will be joining us from Minneapolis slash St. Paul tomorrow from the convention. Uh, I imagine we'll also talk to Dick Giuliano and uh, so forth. It's all... It's all, very, all very exciting. It's just, it's just chaotic is what it is. All right. I'm just uh, going to sit at home tonight and just keep refreshing my news page about... About Sarah Palin? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just... I was just saying uh, saying earlier, 
uh, during the break here that I we got to so much stuff today, but it's almost like we got to it's almost like we got to just just a tiny bit of even that stuff because there's like a four day buildup of all of this Sarah Palin news and then of course all the hurricane stuff and then all of the normal things and then this plane trying to land uh, today and then we had uh, two celebrity deaths and then this uh, this other guy dying it's just uh, it's just chaos it's so craziness it's madness all right uh, there you go we want to thank Dan from Powell's Books of Cedar Hills Crossing also uh, Chris Boba Fett for joining us today we want to thank Cena Radio correspondents James Roop Dick Giuliano and Lisa Desjardins. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillman for AM 970. The talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phone, Richie Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave's in, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, newly married, director of engineering, Brian Jones, and of course, CBS Radio, Portland marketing guru, Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds. Uh, like us next, Michael Maris show at 7. As always, thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes and uh, so forth. I'll see you all tomorrow at 10 for the recap. I'll see you at 11 for the show. Thanks for listening. Spread the word. Be safe. Bye. I'm a hockey mom from Alaska.